Yeah? Someone help! Ah, I Oh! Oh! You! You with the banjo! Uh, can you help me? Yeah. I have lost my sense of direction. Uh, have you tried Harry Krishna? Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that puts the plus in Disney Plus. It's Talking the Mickey. And it's also the podcast that does what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. We've got a crossover episode. Need some sort of like little sound effect for like crossover. How we gonna get across? We're gonna cross over. Random catchphrases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was amazing. If you were still with us, thank you. <laughs> After that onslaught. Um, so, welcome to it is a crossover. Best film ever, talking the Mickey. It's in the talking the Mickey's usual spot. That's why we're here. But it does qualify. Liam was available, so we're releasing it as a special Perfect. bonus episode on Thursday on both platforms. So here we are. So my name is Ian. I'm Liam. I'm Ellie. I'm Ethan. And I'm Georgia. And I will sync that up tighter, but that was, I, we didn't, yeah. Was kind of, everyone's kind of looking at me going, what's the order? <laughs> I'm just trying to direct I'm traffic. I'm always last. That's You're always I last. So I kind of went with that. So, so I thought Ethan always. might have been ready for it, but Ethan, we, we, we will blame the lag on the... Oh, no, there's no lag. He just... <laughs> on my very fast... lag for a second. Yeah. No, and it I was like, oh, no, <laughs> no is it, it me? Is it not? Oh, no. So, uh, just our usual taking care of business sort of stuff. Thank you, everybody out there. Whether it is your, oh, my word, and this is where I go, what number is this? Because we're actually so recording this. We're recording for, 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 for Best Film Ever. We're recording this before we record the episode that will come out before, before it. This, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be episode 34 of Best Film Ever. Because 33 is going to be a league of their own. Yeah. Which, which by the time you hear this will already be available. Go check it out if you're not listening to Best Film Ever and you're talking to the Mickey person. Go check that one out. We're really good on that one, too. We're really good on that one, too. Like, and really professional. You wouldn't recognize us. Exactly. And then <laughs> it's episode 34 would be this one here. But if we're on talking the Mickey... And this is episode number 40. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 40. And uh, last week, if you're from the best film ever, Paul, but you don't listen to Talking the Mickey, we did Dude. Onward. And that was a really, really... Um, that was good. I've gotten some notes from people who said it's actually affected them emotionally. Oh. People said, like, we made them cry. And I'm like, oh. damn... Oh, I'm like, we did. I'm like, I'm like, damn straight, we Have did. Have you seen the film? That's powerful. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think the film gets a big assist because I... If anything... I mean, Ethan, if I'm being honest, people seem to resonate with the stories you and I were sharing. Last oh, week yeah. and kind of um, going to that kind of a place with it. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're th- thank you so much for listening. Uh, it might not be your usual, hey, happy-go-lucky at times things last time, but it was real. And I think that's why we like Pixar, because it's not just funny. It can take you to real emotional places, and therefore a review of it would be stupid if we just didn't acknowledge that. It's almost like they did a film about emotions. In my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to watch that. So we have, what are you talking about? Inside Out. Oh, I'm making a reference to Community. 
<laughs> my emotions. My emotions. Uh, so, um, talking to Mickey, we charted this week. It's not a small list. In Great Britain, Canada, Sweden, Brazil, where we wow. are a top 20. Mexico, Denmark, Japan, where we remain a top 20. Switzerland, where we remain a top 20. And Hong Kong have decided they're... Yay. Are they back? Oh, they've been back for a while. I'm starting to think yeah. Ethan and I are being investigated. <laughs> oh, we're, def- we're definitely on a, on a watch list. <laughs> or a listen list, as the case might be. So... Um, shout outs uh, we'll get this sort of stuff towards talking to Mickey primarily this is a talking to Mickey episode that we're yeah. just releasing on both platforms but uh, big shout outs to Not Before Coffee who gave us some love about Onward um, a podcast called Two Gays Watch a Movie Hey. So nice. I, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to their podcast yet but I've downloaded one and it's on my list of things to do and then of course Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. <laughs> I was ready for that because I saw your notes earlier. You? Okay, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, I knew he'd said and, and Dwayne, hi. And Dwayne Smith, who said hi. And he did want to apologize to you, Georgia, for not commenting on Maleficent. He just hasn't seen the movie and didn't think after listening to our review it might not be worth his time. No, Aww. I don't think so. I think I he probably should have. He should have. me, Dwayne. Into a dragon. I value my opinion more. Into a dragon. <laughs> In- no, I'm his favorite, so, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm so- aware, but that doesn't mean he has to hate me. He doesn't hate you. He hates your film choice. <laughs> well, speaking of things <laughs> he that... He can't hate it because he hasn't seen it. Speaking of hatred, there's sometimes there's no more fandom more toxic than a Star Wars fandom. Because mm-hmm. oh, they can decide they love and they hate things. And this feels like a great time to pivot to Ethan with our Disney news. What do you got for us today, Ethan? Well, we'll go with that one first, because that, that's a wild one. <laughs> that's how segues um, work, so I'm really thankful. Yeah. <laughs> I can ignore I'm, it. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, there's a Star Lego Star Wars holiday Christmas special uh, coming out uh, in November on Disney+. Plus. Which, when and you shared it, I was like, what? Yeah. I was really excited. I'm like, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to watch I this, yeah, and we'll review it. The, yeah, page, yeah. the picture, because yeah, it's, it's, it's a hand, fun. isn't it? It's hilarious. Because, I mean, if you don't know, there was, uh, some people might be under a rock and might not have known, but there was a Star Wars holiday special years and years ago. Oh. Live action, which is famous, which is famous for how bad this thing is. Boba Fett's first appearance as well, is it really? And so, yeah, and so to have like, but you get away with it because you're going to make it Lego. And if you make it Lego, it's kind of like. How bad? None of it's canon. None of it counts. You can do whatever already, isn't it? You can do whatever it is you want to with it because you can't get too upset because it's Lego. Lego. There we go. There's so a lot like, of good Lego Star Wars stuff. Like they have this whole series called Freemaker Adventures, and the jokes in that are actually fantastic. There's one that's like R two D two. What are you doing? Oh, what do you mean your middle name's Danger? It's hyphen. Like they're very like self referential <laughs> and goofy. And I'm really looking forward to this because the original cast of the sequel trilogy are coming back to do some roles. And apparently, oh. this is hilarious. Uh, Kelly Marie Trans, uh, who played Rose, she has more dialogue in this than she did in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I think I had more dialogue in Rise of Skywalker than <laughs> she did. <laughs> um, that's good. That's good. I mean, I I, yeah. I wasn't a fan of the storyline of Rose, and whenever we do, and we will, because it qualifies for, for both podcasts, so it'll be, eventually we'll get to episode eight, um, The Last Jedi, and I will get to to rant for not a small amount of time <laughs> about the Rose storyline. Not the character, not the representation, but the Rose storyline. And as mad as I was about that, though, when I got to episode nine and went, and it all meant nothing? Mm. You did this and you don't even address it? Then I was angry for a whole nother level, because I'm like, why did you make me sit through? It's like, it's like sitting through like a, like a, a part of like a, a class that you hate, and then finding out that like none of it's on the exam, so you didn't have to do it anyway. I was like, like, what was the point? Tuning into a podcast about the Muppets and listening to people run about Star Wars. No, this is, this is Disney news. We are not a Muppet podcast. We are a Disney podcast, and this falls under that umbrella. 
Also, what else is underneath that umbrella, Ella, Ella, hey, 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 under that Disney umbrella today? Well, we have another sort of holiday special kind of thing for Disney+. Plus. Uh, the Pixar film Soul uh, is now getting a Disney Plus release on Christmas Day. Uh, now, so is, this behind, is this behind a pay window like, like Mulan was? I don't believe so, okay. no. There's Absolutely. been nothing about a pay window, which is really, really interesting. It's like a little Christmas gift to the entire world about you're going to die. I was th- I've got two thoughts. Number one, like, yeah. like a Christmas Day, it makes sense for it to be a gift, absolutely. Yeah. But as we've learned, number two, how Disney would it be of Disney to go, it's Christmas Day, but you gotta pay. Yeah, exactly. That wouldn't work. Yeah, and nice it's Pixar, Christmas so I don't everyone. think they'd let them do it. Well, I don't know. What, what the, the same people who tried to trademark Day of the Dead? Sure, true, true, true. Yeah. I rescind that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Ethan? Uh, Disney have basically said they're going to focus more on streaming now, so I've got a feeling Soul is that final sort of jump into uh, doing more digital releases and all that. And this is just a nice sort of update to our Dumbo episode. We criticized Disney for, say, not not saying uh, any real sort of warnings or criticisms of what their old films had and the depictions and they now have put a little a little flash at the beginning of a load of their old films about how uh, the depictions are wrong and it, it's changed now and we, we want to talk about a dialogue and that's why we're at it, uh, keeping them on, things like that. So they're kind of, they've listened to the public and they've now made it a bit more, bit more obvious uh, that they referential of, of the yeah. mistakes. Let's, let's just signpost it and go, we're just addressing it. Yep. Yeah. Depictions are definitely outdated. They weren't right when they happened. They're even less right now. But am, am I sitting here saying take Dumbo off Disney Plus? No, no I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. Because that would, mean taking, that would mean taking Peter Pan off as well, which yeah, is another yeah. way of getting this yeah. treatment. So I'm just saying, like, leave them up there because there is a lot of good in that. But we, we, we can't also stick our heads in the sand and go, well, people were more racist back then. Therefore, we have to. Therefore, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, no, it's not okay. This is, this is one where they, I think they've got the nuance right. I, yeah. I wish they got yeah. there sooner, but I, th- I think they've got the nuance right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, that's all. That's all our news uh, for this week. Very, very slow news week. <laughs> okay, so let's just go ahead then and start talking about the Muppet movie, and we do mean the 1979 Muppet movie, movie, not the 2011 one, um, which I haven't seen. Oh, it's very good. It's very it? good. Yeah. I would like yeah. to do this again with, with a crossover. Whenever it is we get to it, I would very much like to do that. Is it in the same ilk with like today's performers? There are some big cameos. cameos yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some big cameos. Oh, cool. And it has a lot of it, – it's, it's very much like the spiritual successor to it because the Muppets it's lose so their way hard. for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they do. And they kind of try and get a little bit too kitschy and a little bit too kitty and a little bit too – and they're not meta enough and they're not sort of you know avant-garde and they're not – it's a really hard line to walk. Talk about getting the nuance very right. Hard. It's a really hard yeah, line to yeah. walk. And yet they accomplish it. Here, I believe. So, the Muppet movie is a 1979 musical road comedy film, and something I didn't really consider is the fact that it is a road comedy. There is a genre yeah. of 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 like a, yeah. of, of road trips. Is that a thing? That yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, movie, yeah. Cool. So, it, like Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine is a road trip movie. Okay. Absolutely, it is. Are we there yet? Terrible film, but it's a road trip movie. And generally, you put trains, people trains, automobiles, trains, trains, automobiles. Yeah. Absolutely. And so these things become like you know, how do you? What do you learn about each other once you can find? the characters into a space yeah. for so long. Vacation might be the ultimate road trip movie, right? Uh, so, Holiday Home. Um, but it's the first theatrical film starring the Muppets, and it was an international co-production by the UK and the US, and the film was directed I by outsider that. James Frawley. Most of the stuff usually always took place with Henson Company people, 
And Jim Henson really, really wanted to direct this himself. And they went, you've got so much going on already. Yeah. You don't need that on top of it. Because he was doing a little bit of acting, but he's obviously doing a lot of performing with the Muppets. And then also trying to figure out how he's going to get some of this puppetry to work. Incredible. So, um, And a screenplay was conceived by writers for The Muppet Show, Jerry Joel and Jack Burns. Which makes sense. It was a collaboration between them and uh, UK and US then because The Muppet Show originally was in the UK. That's yeah. why they came over to film. So, mm. And so um, it was shot between the, second, the first and second half of The Muppet Show's third season. So they did one block of TV tapings. Then they shot the film. Then they did the other ones. I mean, they're, they're, they must be going to breakneck pace, but wow. going, can we make this a film property and commodity? Uh, and although it tells the origin story of the Muppets, it's also an allegory for Jim Henson's own story of his rise to fame. Yeah. If you kind of take out the idea of Kermit and you replace Kermit mm-hmm. with the idea of um, Jim Henson's story, but yeah, t- take away the fact he's not falling in love with a pig or anything like this, but take away no, that. No, no. Other people <laughs> help him get where he needs to go, yeah. and people were sort of not riding his coattails, but he had a group behind him who believed in him and invested in him, and the pressures that he may have felt, especially when you get to the point where, where, where Kermit starts to address the pressures yeah. he's feeling, that's a really interesting story if you go, now Henson's just talking about himself here for the most part. Oh yeah, he really was. Yeah. And so, um, as we said, the question was whether or not it would transition from television to film okay, and they did some several test shots outside London to see how the characters would appear in real-world locations. And like always, this film uses a lot of meta in the humor, in just grounding it, which is important if you're doing a film with, you know, I, I don't like to call them puppets. I like to call them Muppets, but just so There's we're... There's a difference between there's puppets, a difference between puppets. puppets yes. Um, but what is essentially a, a new take on a centuries-old art form, yeah. puppetry. A class that Jim Henson almost didn't take in college. Yes, because you're, you're, you're quite knowledgeable about yes, Jim Henson's yeah. story. Um, and then you take that and then you go, let's take that, but let's also go kind of like adult themed. And I don't mean like yeah. sex, drugs, violence, Avenue Q sort of stuff. I mean, just the idea that there'll be jokes for adults and the ones that kids won't get. And we did have the debate. Maybe we'll come back to it at the end. Is this a kid's movie or is this not a kid's movie? Which one is it? How do we know? Yeah. Yeah. So, because yeah. there's a lot of stuff here that's going to fly over heads. Uh, what is our feeling about the Muppets? I've revealed before. I love the Muppets. So let's go score on the, around the circle. Georgia. I adore the Muppets. Yeah. Um, I didn't so much when I was younger. It's not something I was exposed to. Sesame Street wasn't on my radar. Um, but since learning a lot about Jim Henson um, through a YouTube documentary series, it's called Defunct Land TV. Defunct Land TV. Defunct Land TV. Cool. Um, it's a six-part docuseries. It's amazing. If anyone likes the Muppets and Jim Henson, definitely watch it. Um, but yeah, it gave me a real insight into it. And I've always enjoyed puppetry. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching that and seeing that journey and then going back and watching Muppets stuff, it's just really grounded it. I, I, I adore it. It just makes me feel so content and warm yeah. and full. It's just it's just so good. Ellie, I, I don't remember you being the biggest Muppet fan. No, well, I just don't have very much experience of the Muppets at all. Mm-hmm. So I've never seen this this film until today. I have seen Muppets Christmas Carol, but I don't think I've ever sat down and watched the whole film start to finish. I think it's just been like, you know, you catch a bit of it on Christmas Day for 20 minutes and right. here and there. So I've probably seen it all bit in bits. Okay. And then I'm sort of familiar with Kermit and Miss Piggy popping on to probably like things on the BBC. Um, so just on little TV saturday night things or that kind of thing little segments to have some sort of knowledge of those characters but apart from that i've never really i don't think i've ever seen any of the 
Muppets films or anything. Um, and then obviously the the awful uh, whatever I can't remember what it's the called. first episode the Muppets of Muppets now. now we said was um, rough. I really didn't enjoy. That. I stopped after episode two. So, I didn't go any further. Yeah. So I don't I don't have any nostalgia tied up with it, and I don't really have much knowledge with it. So I don't know if I'm kind of missing something okay. from not having experienced it in childhood. Okay, Ethan. Oh, not Ethan. Sorry, Ethan. Well, Ethan. Yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, I I do really love the Muppets. I think when I said on the Muppets now sort of break on an episode. The, it's always been a thing for me. When I first came on the podcast, I was like, Muppets and DuckTales are the two things I loved, so I binged them during the opening of Disney Plus here. Uh, but no, it's always been a thing in my in my childhood, and I watched this on repeat like so much as a kid. And I had a tradition where I'd watch uh, Muppets Christmas Carol every single uh, Christmas Eve, and I've, I've stuck to that for like 20 years. Um, even to the point that I watched all of Muppets now, and I hated it, but I was like, it's the Muppets, so I'll give it a yeah, shot. It, it, it does get a lot more leeway because you love the characters. Yeah. It's not great. It doesn't, it doesn't really get better after episode two. Honestly. Does it not? Because two was better than yeah. one, but I, I, I yeah. didn't care enough to go try a third. It stagnates between pretty good and just, I'm um, not focusing. Okay. Um, Liam? Well, I come from a generation that the Muppets were huge. So as a child, a lot of my childhood memories of the Muppets are fond ones. Um, but as I got into adulthood, I didn't really watch too much more of the Muppets, mm-hmm. um, apart from A Christmas Carol. And like Ethan, I religiously watch it every year. It is a phenomenal film. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the others, and I don't really watch... I used to watch Sesame Street and stuff, but again, it's not something I do now as an adult. But I do Christmas Carol, I love. And the characters, the, the things... Um, that you've grew up with and know of, like Ellie said, we've seen him on primetime TV doing guest spots and stuff. You know who Miss Piggy is. You know who Kermit the Frog is. You don't have to worry about knowing too much about the Muppets to understand who the characters are. So, yeah, I mean, it brings a warm, fuzzy feeling to myself when I watch Christmas Carol, Muppets Christmas Carol. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching the Muppet show. In the evenings, I remember Saturday nights. It was Muppet Show, yeah, and it was it was it was primetime television. I mean, you had big stars and all that stuff. Something that we would see, stars. sort of, sort of uh, adopted in this. And I remember there was Muppets yogurt when I was a kid. I don't know if you had Muppets yogurt over here, but there was uh, the whole. I can't remember that. Oh, no. it was like the whole do 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 do. do. Like, <laughs> you know, I still remember the the the, the, the theme song. I remember the theme you know, song. Yeah, Muppets, Muppets at the moment. Muppets yogurt. Yeah, but the, but they are you know they're, they're they're intellectual property that we all have positive feelings towards. Yeah. Whether or not you know them from the show, or you're just familiar with seeing them on items. Yeah, yeah. Crumpets. They are marketable. Yeah, the Muppets crumpets or the yogurt or backpacks or t-shirts. Yeah, the crumpets. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's true. Wow. Um, and it just seems like Disney haven't quite figured out since the, the acquisition. They've never really managed to get, get in their heads how to best use the Muppets. There was yeah. the one movie in 2011 that w- when it came out to universal acclaim. And then that's really been the only thing they've managed to figure out. I, I thought the ABC show was good, but they never went anywhere with it. They did it after <sighs> one season, and that, yeah. that was it. Even in the parks. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but they've killed the Muppets. Yeah, well. Muppets 3D. Let's oh. talk about <laughs> this. So, um, Jim Henson was determined he was going to use the large budget, but a film would allow him to push the technological limits and capabilities of what you could do with puppetry. He so did that. And he- we'll, we'll go through, and we'll explain how certain things were accomplished as we go through. Um, and so when it's all done and dusted and they put it together, um, it was um, premiered, a royal premiere of all wow. things, at Leicester, 
Uh, Square Theater. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the theater that I debuted at? Was that Leicester Square Theater? <laughs> yes. I think it was. It wasn't the cinema, but it was the theater. It was the theater, Square, so there yeah. we go. So I, as someone who's performed on, at, you know, at you Leicester Square line. Theater. It was an ad lib in a drunk show. Hey, hey, Orson Welles said one line. So <laughs> you know what? Uh, I think I did all right. Um, it was May 31st, 1979, so it is older than everybody on the panel. <laughs> it was attended by Princess Anne and released in the U.S. on June 22nd, 1979. Um, and so let's go into the movie. And it begins with a prologue. Everybody's showing up for what appears to be – I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be the premiere. I think it's more of a private screening for the Muppets to see. Yeah, it's yeah, like it the is. first screening yeah. of it. Yeah, they because... even say private screening. Oh, do they? Okay. And yeah, so... like, they wouldn't oh, want to show the public. They don't want the public no. to see it. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and Stadler and Waldorf show up. And uh, they and I love Stadler and Waldorf. They're great. They're so good. I think as, as I get old, I think when I was a kid, I'm like, I hate the old guys. Yeah. But like, I love these two so much. We start much. morphing into them as we get older. I do think I'm turning into one of these two. <laughs> I do. Too. And unfortunately, a deleted subplot that was going to exist was going to be Stadler and Waldorf were going to turn up at various points in the movie to comment and then heckle the characters <laughs> as they go through their journey, which I would have loved. That would have been lovely. Maybe they felt that it kind of, you know, just changed the tone too much at various points. Maybe. And it was a little, a little bit great. too meta. I thought that would have been great. Uh, and so in this opening, we're just basically learning. If you haven't seen the Muppets, let's get you some ideas about who these ragtag group are. Yeah. They're going to be a bit manic. It's going to be a whole, and it's also sensory overload. Because oh, instantly, yeah. I think, Liam, you and I kept saying this with the movie, you forget so quickly these are all puppets. Yeah. You forget so, I just, you assume they're just like animated characters or something that's not, Yeah, you, you know, I'm not even thinking in half these, where, where are the not, human beings? Yeah, I'm not thinking of the logistics of no, them No, no, I'm not. George, as someone who's familiar with puppetry on a more sort of, I don't know, regular scale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was, were, were these thoughts going in your head more? So they were more, but that's, I think, because I'm interested in the art of puppetry, yeah. not just the Muppets in general. Yeah. But the Muppets are by far the best example of puppetry <laughs> that we have ever had. And I will fight that corner until whatever. I mean, Avenue Q, all those sorts of things are inspired by Jim Henson oh, and the Muppets. absolutely. The Muppets, the legacy of the Muppets can it's be felt massive. all the way through. yeah. And so... Um, one of my favorite bits from this, I'm not going to do a whole, but we'll do some lines, but one of them is Sam the Eagle, who goes to Kermit <laughs> and asks him, does this film have redeeming value? <laughs> and I would say yes. I yes, it does. it does. And there's a great wide shot of behind Kermit as he's addressing the Muppets. And I bring this up because A, it was a, they held it for a while, but mm. B, you get to see all the Muppets' legs. You do. And up until this point, the Muppets were always shot from the waist up. On TV. And so it was like, well, with the budget, what can we do? And you have to imagine then that giant scene of all the Muppets. You know, how many puppeteers are laying on the floor yeah. or built into chairs or whatever it might be so you can have that shot so the legs will be seen? The sets are usually raised. Puppeteers are usually stood for a lot of the Muppets. Okay. Stuff, well, but... really, oh, cool. really yeah. interesting. Uh, and then um, Kermit is then told by Piggy to run the film. And I hate Miss Piggy. And here's my problem with the Muppets. I love the Muppets so much, and I hate Miss Piggy with every fiber of my being. Always have, always will. I'm I so think. glad it's not just me. No, well, I thought that was my opinion until I watched this film. Really? Mm. Oh, I hate Miss Piggy. She's very self. Miss Piggy is very selfish. Yeah, very. And the question is, I think they know this, and but the question is, coin. is oh, this yeah. endearing? Is the question. And it's I, more and endearing wait. when you remember it's Frank Oz doing it. Maybe the like, only thing like, that endears her is Kermit. Yeah, 
And we'll talk about it more when she comes into the plot. Because yeah. there's certain points where I just wrote down, I hate Miss Piggy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she tells him to run it. At which point then, I mean, the guy's just trying to make a speech where he's thanking everybody. It, it just feels like such a cheap joke mm. to have her come in and squash it. And then, of course, you got Animal, who I'm not the biggest fan of either. No. I think he's very one note. Yeah. You know, run it, run it. Okay, so they run the film. And this is where we get the credits. We get rainbows and we get rainbow connection and I'm already tearing up. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. I did Onward last week. Please don't. And it's not a sad song. I'm just so happy. Oh, it's happy tears. It's happy tears. I love rainbow connection. It's a reminiscent song for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a song that I wouldn't have necessarily remembered until I heard it. And then I was like, oh, and that takes me back. It pretty much gets into every Muppet film. Yeah. Unless it's like Muppet Christmas Carol where you can't. But generally, if it's something that has all the Muppets in it, they'll try and work Rainbow Connection into it. And I think it's absolutely. And I did know it. And you didn't realize I knew it. And nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. Didn't win, but nominated. One of the best things and definitely the right things Disney did right near the beginning of lockdown um, was release a new video and cover of Kermit the Frog doing Rainbow Connection sat okay. on his log playing his banjo in water but it was a new video of it oh, okay. and it was it oh I was I was crying watching it I can't remember what they tagged it with but it was okay. it was amazing well let's cut to that then because we have Kermit I mean, this beautiful there's some this there's some really nice shots in this film yeah. and it's this beautiful shot where you come through you know this big sky with tons of lens flares this movie mm. loved a lens flare J.J. Abrams saw that and went nicking it I love that <laughs> nicking this I do love that I do I, I, yeah. I love lens flare and it, this is the right movie for it yes. to look at everything through like sunshiny eyes yeah, yeah. and so um, and we have Kermit on his vlog in the Everglades playing the banjo uh, in order to do this Georgia you knew this I, I, I think mm-hmm. I might have known it but I've done some research I don't uh, Jim Henson squeezed into a specially designed metal container yep. complete with an air hose to breathe so oh, his wow. motion's not going to disturb the water because yeah, he's in say, this yeah. he's in this tube, isn't he? And a rubber sleeve of which came out of a top to perform to to know so he could perform Kermit's mouth, and a monitor in there so he could see the performance. That's incredible. And it took him five days to film this. I can imagine. So he did oh that God. every day for a week. Forgot. And I, think about I, I how hot that yeah, must have been. Yeah, think yeah. about how uncomfortable it must have been. Yeah. The passion. And you're like had. so isolated but before this no film had a hand puppet act with its entire body appearing on screen before it's this, so well done so and that is you know hand puppets were only like I said seen from the waist up and it was a major plot point in this film we're going to show Kermit with his legs that's what's going to make this film excellent and to give it another uh uh, depth to it, yeah. give the pun, was to do it in water yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so, yeah, so make it easier at all. Make it so you're going, there's no way that can happen. Yeah. Mm. It's, we no we, we talked about it with like, with like Mary Poppins and we said, so how do they do the movie magic? It's this one going, yeah. how do they do this? And we see, you know, these, these films which, whether it was um, um, Blackbeard's Ghost and we talked about how do you do these scenes, that movie magic that kind of becomes mm. Disney or, or with the enemy. Well, doing this and then going with puppets, what can we do to like really take it to, so it's not just like the Simpsons movie came out. There was just a long episode of The Simpsons, and you went, eh. Yeah. Right? This is actually like, wow, how did you do this? It's Worth so the money. incredible. And the video that Disney put out, 25th of April, so about a month into lockdown, um, on the Muppets Facebook page, to the lovers, the dreamers, and you, keep believing. Hey. Yeah. Um, and so then we have cameo number one, and I'm going to ask at the end, if I forget, I haven't put in my notes, favorite cameo, because there's a lot yeah, of good cameos in this. Yeah, yeah. And this is the first one, and I think one of the better ones. We have Dom, Dom DeLuise, DeLuise as yeah. Bernie the Agent. So oh. Bernie the Agent comes up to Kermit and says, I've lost my sense of direction. And so Georgia, what does Kermit say in response to that? He says, have you tried Harry Krishna? Have you tried yeah, Harry Krishna? <laughs> Which I thought was a really funny joke, because I'm like... 
and this is the thing. Is it a kid's movie? You know, that's a funny joke that a kid's not... I don't remember that joke. It's no. not a joke I yeah, remember. As, as a child, you're not gonna, you wouldn't get you're, it. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. So, like, no. I'm, I'm sort of keeping track and going, okay, how much of this is what? And so uh, this gets... And he goes ahead. Bernie, the agent, shows him today's variety, which, of course, you're going to have as you're rowing through the Everglades. Clearly, I didn't and they're, they're after <laughs> frogs. Performing frogs. Very specific. Yeah, very specific. And there was no other... Performing frogs. There was no other frogs at the audition at the end. No. Kermit's the only one. (laughs) Yeah. Is there any explanation why? Because they read the script. Because they read the script for the movie. Yeah, Yeah, it says, only enter Kermit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so Kermit doesn't want money. That doesn't do enough for him. Well, he doesn't want money. And then he says, I want to make you... I just want to make... You know, you make millions of people happy. Millions of people Mm. happy. Yet later he shows up and says, I'm Kermit the Frog and I'm here to be rich and famous. That's because what what the advert said. It was performing frogs who want to be rich and famous. Yeah. Yeah. So... um, and that's basically, and this is the benefit, the beauty of some of these cameos. They come in, they get their moment, and they get out because the stars aren't the actors. The stars are the Muppets. Yeah. Not even the Muppet performers. The stars are the Muppets. Yeah. And so then we go, and Kermit goes on his bike, and we get a shot of him riding that his bike. Phenomenal. And you reacted to that when that yeah. happened. Yeah. This how do they mind. do that? Okay. It's a string. So well, how yeah, does that happen? But- so in order to have Kermit Where? ride a bicycle in a full body shot, a Kermit puppet with legs was posed onto the seat and his arms and legs were attached to the pedals and handlebars. And then an overhead crane would follow so it would be out of the oh, shot, okay, so yeah. high up and so far back that you couldn't see it. And like marionette style, they would like work him from there. That's so how my brain went. I just want to see a shot yeah. of that. I want to see a shot of how uh, yeah. what that Pulled looks like. Shot, yeah. And there were some invisible wires, some obviously get, get seen. But for 1979, you're like, yeah. Like kids today, one for like a split second. kids today will not look at that with the same sense of wonder because with CGI, we've shown them the impossible is always possible because yeah. you can just make it happen. And no, no, this happens without computers. I think even today we're probably slightly less uh, oh, very much like so. susceptible to it because that's probably a reason we're forgetting that they're puppets as well because we're so used to oh, everything being. I think it's just how well, I think it's just how well it's, it's done. Oh, it is. Well. That oh, yeah, you no, just, it is. It's so it's easy. Amazing. It's so easy to suspend your disbelief. Yes, it is, it's yeah. so easy with the Muppets. Muppets aren't puppets. No, they're not. <laughs> and so um, as this goes on, though, Kermit almost like smashes. Because he's not watching where he's driving. Well, he's driving oh, on between jerk. like the road being set, isn't well, it? And yeah, but, but, but I mean, basically, he's doing what Barley did on Onward last week. Yeah. He's like not watching <laughs> yeah. the road. <laughs> He's looking at all this propaganda of like, let's eat some frogs, let's consume be fair, their feet. Fair, that might bother me. Yeah, I think you yeah. could probably just understand why he's distracted. But the best part is, because it's got one of these restaurants that we'll later f- find out about, Doc Hopper's Frog Leg, whatever yeah. it was called. And But it's like the Golden Arches, but it's like it's like yeah. legs. legs. Oh, jeez. Clever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice touch. And he crashes, but he doesn't crash. He just sort of hops. It even says, if it wasn't that, I, that I, I could hop, I'd be a goner, because <laughs> his, his bike gets smashed. Um, because as we found out, when vehicles collide in the Muppet movie, it means that actual damage occurs. Let's remember that for later in the film. <laughs> um, but then we get the idea. What did you say? What are you doing building a road in the middle of the street? Yes. <laughs> and why? Why was the bike still wedged in the, the thing when it's been steamrolled? 
The back end it was, was flat. The back end was flat, but the front end. Liam, was... this is the most logical vehicle accident in the film. I don't think it's worse from here. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going all CSI on this one, I got news for you. <laughs> we're going deep, 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 deep dive in this. And so we do some a little bit of foreshadowing of the bad guys because we see Max is there. We don't know who Max is exactly, but we see Max. We kind of get the idea he's not not so much good because he's hanging out with the uh, the guys building the frog leg restaurant. And then we have uh, Kermit goes to El Slizo Cafe, oh, and we get another and we get another cameo because this guy gets thrown out. He says that's the worst, dirtiest, ugliest restaurant in the world. Yeah. And he goes, you should tell the owner. He goes, I am the owner. And this is he said James Coburn. Is James that right? Coburn. Yeah. What was he famous for? He was famous. I'm assuming he's an actor. Yeah, he is. Okay. Um, he was in he was in The Great Escape, I think. Okay. Um, he's he. He's more of a support actor than a lead actor. He did do lead stuff. Okay. Um, but he's also um, a student to Bruce Lee. And then we have, um, then we have like the waiter handing out frog's legs. Because it's not just, not just like Doc Hoppers. Apparently frog legs are just a big thing in this world we've created. Yeah. Because everybody at my table wanted frog's legs. Different sorts of frog's legs. And the waiter's like, here's your barbecue frog legs. Here's your this frog legs, that frog legs. And that is the director of the film. Really? Oh, who plays who plays ooh. the sleazy waiter in El That's Slizo? Cool. James Frawley. Crawley. Crawley, I think it was. Uh, and then we have a couple more. I mean, the cameos were fast early on. We had t- yeah. Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas, And yeah. what's Telly Savalas from, Liam? He's from Co- uh, Kojak. From Kojak. And who then, loves you, baby? And then we had Carol Kane. Yes. Oh, I cheered when I saw her. Who, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. who was Miss. And he keeps going, no, it's a myth. It's a myth. Myth, myth. And she goes, yeah, hello. And the joke is, 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 is her name Miss or is her name Myth? She's credited as myth. It was she's credited really, as yeah. myth, and it was really, it was really, really clever to see. Oh, that clever! It was really, really interesting to see her, like so young. Yeah. The thing, yeah. Because like, the thing that the so thing, the thing that I thought I knew her first from was like Scrooged or Princess Bride. Scrooged. Yeah. You oh, know she's what I mean? Princess Bride. Yeah, she's yeah. she's Miracle Max's wife. Okay. You know, have yeah, fun, yeah, Storm. Yeah. I'm I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. <laughs> Granted, she looks like you know 108 years old. I was going to say that's probably why I didn't recognize her. Uh, but, yeah. I think I know her from Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt, of yeah, course. Yeah, that was my yeah. first real introduction to uh, uh, other than Scrooge. Oh, is she? Um, she's the old lady who like doesn't who wants to stop million, the the, yeah, the she's gentrification in, oh, she's of New in York. Something, um, yeah. Recently. Well, oh, Kimmy Schmidt's pretty recent. No, no, I've been watching something. It's alright. I can't remember. And then. We've got the guy playing the piano is actually the guy, one of the guys who wrote the music for this. It's Paul Williams. Oh, cool. Playing the piano. But is anybody out there who thinks he looked like Little Enos out of Smoking the Bandit? Because he looks a dead ringer, if that's not him. So, folks, uh, (laughs) you've got two sets of uh, socials you get a hold of us on. That's either Best Film Ever Pod on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or Talking the Mickey on Instagram and Facebook, or Talk the Mickey on the Twitter. Yeah. Get a hold of us. Let us know if the piano player looked like little Enos. Little, it's Enos. Enos I don't want yeah. any sort of. <laughs> pl- please, no pictures. We just want text. <laughs> We're not doctors. We're not. Uh, and so, <laughs> I think at one point someone says, "Oh, that's right," because Fozzie's <laughs> on stage and he's bombing. Yeah, completely. and Kermit says, "Oh, he's lost," and the the waiter goes. He should try Harry Krishna. I wish when Kermit goes, great, it's a running gag. And I loved, I loved when they just gave you little hints little that they're snippets. aware that they're in a, a constructed yeah. movie. Yeah. And they didn't overdo it. No, it was I, always just enough time had gone past. You kind of forgot Rule they'd three. done it. I think the There's only three Harry Krishna references. Have to- oh, is there three? Yeah. 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 
Um, and so, and then we have dancing, and we get a dancing because this is Kermit's f- fix for Fozzie because the, the natives are getting restless. We need to dance, so he tells the piano player play something, and they both start dancing. And Liam, you said to me, "That looks like green screen." Yeah, but green screen yeah. is not around at this yeah. time. Well, I will have you know that a dancing Kermit and Fozzie Bear were operated by Henson and Frank Oz in front of a blue screen, and they were composited uh-huh. onto a separate reel of the stage. Wow. So, and these effects will be later be used again um, in subsequent Muppet films, both yeah, the bicycle yeah, yeah, trick yeah. and the blue screen trick. But this is one of the first instances of blue screen that I've ever heard of. Yeah, definitely. Back when blue screen was blue screen and it wasn't green screen yet. Yeah. 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 It's interesting stuff. Uh, interesting. On a side note, other shots, which I, I, we may not have a chance to make reference to, required Muppets standing and acting in a full body shot. In that regard, uh, sometimes specially made remote control puppets were placed on the set and controlled by puppeteers out of the frame. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. And at one point, when it's getting roughed up and Kermit goes flying from, like, a ceiling fan and lands in the piano, he just looks, comes out and looks at the camera, breaks the fourth wall and goes, I hope you appreciate it. I'm doing my, all my own stunts. Yeah. <laughs> Love that line. So remember, remember, Kermit the Frog was Tom Cruise before Tom Cruise was hey, Tom Cruise exactly. as well. You know that. <laughs> He's even um, promoting a, a religion as well for her Christian. He, he is. <laughs> and then, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's Fozzie Bear. And Fozzie Bear is going to have like some, you know, wah, wah kind of jokes. Oh, he just yeah. drinks on the house and everybody runs out. You're like, what's going on? And oh, I, knew knew that was, I knew that was going to be that. Yeah. Even though I hadn't seen it for years and years, I knew that was, gag was going to be there. They didn't do too many of those and I was okay with that. Yeah. It's like you, 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 you do have a, like, like a, a law of diminishing returns with that kind of humor, yeah. but it was all right. I think the Muppets are like the American equivalent of like a pantomime here. It's very referential. Yes. It's like very self-aware. It's always like it gets that fine line between like parody and just stupidness. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and then we go into the car and they're going to Hollywood. And Kermit, just kind of what happens, Kermit meets random person who may or may not show any talent in any capacity whatsoever, but goes, do you want to go to Hollywood? Oh, and so Fozzie goes, <laughs> nope. I work alone. I do not work as part of a team. And then there's just like silence for like five seconds. And he goes, all right, you talked me into it. We're a team. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it because I I love Fozzie Bear. I do. I love Fozzie Bear. Uh, And then we meet Doc Hopper, who is basically a Colonel Sanders ripoff. He is. <laughs> Down to like the little, like the, mm-hmm. the white suit jacket and the little like, I don't even know what you call that kind of a tie with the two strings. String tie. Oh, like a bolo tie? A, a bolo? I sure. think so. Yeah, that sounds about I right. I kept hearing it as Doc Hollywood for the first half of this film and I got so confused. <laughs> <laughs> and we also meet Max and Max is played by Austin Pendleton. And at first he turned down the role of Max and said, um, there's not enough for him to do. And then the director, James Frawley, said, I'll write more for the character to do because he really wanted Pendleton to play that role. And if I may, I think Max is really good in this. He is. He yeah. is good, oh, he's yeah. great. I really like him. Yeah. Out of the human characters, I think, I think, I think he's, he's right up there. He's yeah. redeeming, Definitely. isn't he? Yeah. He reminds me of Billy Eichner's character in uh, Parks and Rec. Like in really? some of their mannerisms. Yeah, there's wow. just like points where they're talking. They just have that sort of mannerism. Billy of- Eichner is the one who's like always angry at everything, right? Yeah. Okay. I was going <laughs> shopping today. Like yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. Uh, I, I did not see it, Ethan, but but uh, I will. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and he's actually, this is really interesting to read this. Uh, it said that Pendleton said that the, the film was shot on a very unhappy set really? because Jim Frawley was very unhappy directing this movie. He was more of a TV guy than a film guy, and for some reason, it just didn't work. And so it was the only time a non-Muppet person was used to direct a puppet movie, and it never happened again. After this, they're almost always directed by Henson or Oz. Yeah. So like, I believe Frank Oz directs Muppet Christmas Carol. 
Yeah, I believe he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got you've got to have a passion for it. Haven't you? I think you have to and be, a know how and understanding how this process how works. works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Austin Pendleton says, "I would have liked to have worked on one of those other movies where they had a Muppet person in charge because those sets were probably very harmonious, but this one was not." Mm-hmm. And from that, let's go to something that was very harmonious. It is the song "Moving Right Along." Oh, I love that's it. It's a nice little song. It's it's another one of those ones that I'm yeah, like. Yeah. I was just smiling from here to it's, it. It's, it's yeah. besides Rainbow Connection, it's, the, it's that next one for me where I'm like, love this song. You're just sort of bobbing along. And there's lots of good jokes in this, like, you know. All the uh, half rhymes and everything. The half yeah. rhymes, yeah. but also like the fork in the road. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. The, the, the Canadian in me loved the fact that Storming they're in Saskatchewan. Right, should it be snowing gets me every time. Yeah, it should be snowing. Yeah. Uh, is it normal for the sun to come up in the west? Yeah. Uh, we've run along, now we're in Saskatchewan, and there's a Mountie sitting there waiting yeah. for Like It was just <laughs> really, really nice. It was. And you get this bit during one of the music one alludes, ah, a bear in his natural habitat. And then they go, he's just like, like the outdoors, the countryside. Yeah, yeah, he goes, yeah. a Studebaker. <laughs> yeah. He was a kid. I loved this. Um, and then we have the Henson Cinematic Universe that shows up because we're oh, meeting Big Bird. This made me so happy. I forgot about this. And I he's not going I to. I don't remember her voice or his voice. It's being, her voice. Is it her voice? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember the voice being. I don't know, because I haven't seen Big Bird. It's really accurate. No, no, it is. It yeah. is, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's played by the right person. It's played by the, by the same actor. Yeah. I never really liked Actors. Big Bird as a kid. Oh, I love Big Bird. Oh, no. Too imposing, too... Ugh. But, yeah. Um, and I, oh, I, I, I think Big Bird's just... It's just Kermit. It's the same thing. It's just a really, really genuine spirit. And yeah. that, oh, gee, like, there's nothing wacky about Kermit. Kermit's just a straight man. Yeah. surrounded by all the wacky ones. Big Bird's the same thing. I would just like to point out Carol Spinney is a man. Oh, really? Yeah, Carol Spinney. Saw, 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 saw Carol yes. Spinney and assumed. Uh, I know there are male Carols. That's my bad. Very, very recently died. It was only uh, December 2019, and there was a big, oh, big outcry. For oh, I do remember death. that. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Someone shared a video of Big Bird remembering someone he, he like, died, and, oh, that shattered me. So, yeah. So Big Bird can't go to Hollywood because... Can't Big, fit in the car. Well, he can't fit in the car, <laughs> but also, because Fozzie's, Fozzie's going... Fozzie's going I don't know if he'll fit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you'd be right. Yeah. Um, but, He's a big bird. But Fozzie, uh, but, sorry, Big Bird says, no, no, I'm not going to Hollywood. I'm going to New York because I want to work in television. Yeah. And they never say Sesame Street. They just no, say, no. and the idea New being, York and television. the idea being so you good. could have had a second, a second film yeah. following another hero doing the exact same thing. Crossover, yeah. And that's, you know, Big Bird's journey to be in television. And it was just subtle enough. I liked it. it I really so liked it. I love it. Make me so happy. And he had his own credit right at the end of the film as well. Carol Spinney as Big Bird, which made me happy. That's and cool. so uh, for this, any scenes involving driving, there was a little person who sat in the trunk and drove the car via a remote control okay. using a television monitor to help that's to help start things off. Very difficult. Especially when the first time they tested it, the monitor went on the blink and the driver had to be talked through a scene by an assistant director on a oh walkie-talkie. Oh, my going, God. Okay, wow. a little to the right, a little to the left. I, I, I'm assuming you've got closed roads for this and yeah, waivers yeah. up to your eyeballs. I don't think that happens today. No. No, it would be pull it would be stop the car, we're done. Yeah. Imagine you're driving on the road and you just see like Kermit the Frog and Fuzzy Bear hurtling towards you, not realizing <laughs> that someone can't see the monitor and just crashes into you. The just police know won't believe as well you. that Jim Henson and Frank Holes would be in there going, like still puppeteering them perfectly, but going, <laughs> 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 They probably don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, they would if the well, car started Actually, hurting. they probably would. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, as you said, imagine driving down the road and seeing Kermit the Frog. Well, that's exactly what happens to Kermit. They're driving, and he sees a billboard with himself on it, and they yeah, pull does. over. But he goes, like, we can all see it. But he's like, 
oh, it's a billboard. Oh, <laughs> let's pull over and read it. And it takes him a couple of beats to go, oh, isn't that you, Kermit? I'm like, okay, a little bit tell, don't show. Yeah, but All right. Um, and then this is where we get Doc Hopper, who makes his business pitch. Uh, Hello, dragons. My name is Doc Hopper, and I'd like to give you $500 <laughs> to be on my team. Um, it's a small-time operation, but we're expanding. And we get the return of, no, no, frogs. I forget what it was. Frogs don't do this. It's a myth. Myth. And then we get myth pop out from behind the billboard. Do, yeah. For no, re- it's no ve- reason. It's very, I mean, it's very 70s. It's good, though. Like, this is a joke that would have been just as fitting on Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd see this in airplane i would not bat an eye yeah it, it, it is of that time isn't it it's that late 70s early 80s mm-hmm. absurdist humor um and then um max is going to stand up to doc hopper because he goes no i won't let you I'm not, he doesn't want to do it we're not going to do it and he's wearing a green hat which i thought was kind of foreshadowing yeah. to turn good at the end and he's like well i'll double your pay and then max is back on board which i was, I was okay with i'm like fair you know yeah. okay I can't i'll double your pay you. i'll open the door open the door <laughs> And Fozzie almost gets into a car accident because nobody in the Disney universe knows how to watch the road. Especially, like, literally, Fozzie is reading a map rather than driving. Uh-huh. Well, he's not rather than driving. He's, he's still driving. He's got on the wheel and yeah. his like, head is in the map. It's brilliant. And then... Um, this bit was much more like Onward. They almost crash yeah. into the church. And then as they pull over by the church, he's got the sign that says, Are you lost? Uh, have you seen... <laughs> have you found Reverend, Reverend Harry, Harry Krishna? Which is great. <laughs> And they're going to go for a nap, but then they're woken up by the electric mayhem. And uh, we meet Dr. Teeth, Floyd, Zoot, Janice, Animal, and Scooter. Who's your favorite out of the electric mayhem? Scooter. Is it Scooter? Scooter. Definitely Scooter. I love Scooter Ethan, so much. He's my favorite Muppet. I got to be honest. I was thinking before we got started, if I had to cast us as Muppets, <laughs> I didn't really get bashed really beyond you, but I was going, Ethan you are absolutely Scooter. Yeah. Who's oh, the yeah. saxophone player? Yeah. That is Zoot. Yeah, I'd be him. You like Zoot? I like him. Anyone else? Mm, I mean, not Miss Piggy. You don't, you don't, you don't have to make... Uh, I said of Electric Mayhem, who's your favorite? Oh, of Electric Mayhem. Yeah. Scooter. Scooter? Yeah. yeah. I like but Floyd. going to beam up it. Floyd's the guy who's always like, oh, come on, animal. Yeah, he's yeah. the one. Player, like, he's, like, he's not a straight man, but he's the guy who like sets everybody else up yeah, for their yeah, jokes. Yeah. He's the owner of Animal from what you see. He's, he's it seems like. Animal for a walk, but he's also he? the yeah. one who's like, you know. And always holding his chain. You know, oh, no, come on, Zoot. You got, he explains it to the characters who aren't bright yeah. enough to get it. But I, I, I think he's great. I don't like Dr. Teeth that much. Scooter appears in other different things. He becomes a producer in the, of the Muppets TV show at some point. He kind well, of he's, is... he's always. I think that was his on the Muppet show. That he was, was the producer, well. yeah. and, the, and the only way you could work him into this, where he's not already in Hollywood, yeah, yeah. is having him be the producer for the band, yeah, or the road agent or whatever it was. Uh, and so, I mean, and then this is where uh, Janice tells us. We yeah we've run out this old church and we're gonna make it like organic food and like a coffee house and I'm like you guys are hipsters like thirty years early yeah it makes sense that they're under Reverend Harry Krishna though then, yes it, it does and so um, they're about to get told and Fozzie's trying to catch them up on the on the whole movie and Kermit goes no 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 you're gonna bore the audience and so they give them a copy of the screenplay <laughs> yeah and we get like a quick replay including like a shot of the scene we've just seen where they walk in but as the mouths move we now get Doctor Teeth like reading all the parts yeah. I, I, absolutely loved this bit this was clever so meta and they did just enough that they didn't it didn't overstay it the joke was the right length yeah yeah this is one of my favorite jokes too when force is just like i don't think they're presbyterian yes i have that i skipped it thank you because presbyterians are like the most 
sort of they're very solemn kind of Amer- yeah. you, know, you, you kind of have your types of what you imagine American churches are like and some of them are like Baptist or Pentecostal where they're doing like kind of like the, the happy clappy kind of, kind, of, kind of stuff and then like the Presbyterians are like the more serious ones maybe more in line with what you'd expect church to be more like maybe 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 over here yeah, maybe. Very, very serious. Church yeah. is a serious kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, remember when Harry and Meghan got married back when she wanted to be a princess? Remember those times? <laughs> and, the, times. and the issue was like like the Baptist preacher they, 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 they brought over yeah. was like so un British. He was, right? <laughs> yeah. And people either loved him or went, no, 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 yeah, no, no. <laughs> that is not how we do things in church over here. <laughs> Um, that was funny. Uh, thank you. Yes. And oh, I thought well, maybe that's my impression. <laughs> not, maybe not. Not you. The no, I'm, I'm claiming it. Oh, because I did my accent and went over here. Oh, ha, ha. Did um, you know? And so there's this song. I think it's "Can You Picture That?" But um, I think it's oh called, yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, this is just them pimping the ride. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to paint a car because we needed something for Electric Mayhem to do, and so I mean, there was the one cool shot from inside the car as the paint gets like spl- like dropped on the windscreen. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was, that cool. was kind of cool. But at the end of the day, I'm and Fozzie just goes when it's over, he goes, "I I don't know how to thank you." And Kermit responds, with, "I I don't know why I should thank you." <laughs> I think my favorite bit is though that they're painting the car so it's not recognizable. They're but painting like it from so beige. Di- it's so distinguishable. It's so distinctive. Oh. It makes and, me really and it's happy. like spray paint, but they don't use spray paint. No, they use like <laughs> it's, it's like wall paint. Yeah, they wall paint, but then it looks spray paint. And like none of it like bleeds. Like it, no. In reality, it'd be like this brown green mess. <laughs> yeah. But somehow it's like like this, it's like they're like a paint by numbers and just distinctly kept them in each spot. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but uh, there's also a spin wipe which you saw and, and, and liked that. It spins in oh, like, yeah, Batman yeah, 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 like Batman does. Yeah. I wanted it to go. Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, there would be some musical stingers from other franchises as, as we move along. Yeah. Um, but it was all supposed to be psychedelic, and it's completely pointless because two seconds later on the road, they're spotted by Doc Hopper. And I don't. Either the Muppets just don't know how to really don't know how to read a map, and they're just all over the place. Or Doc Hopper has the quickest driver. He doesn't. Max he? is great apparently at his it's job. Like the Wiley Coyote and um... yeah, doesn't he always catches up? Yeah, yeah. And there's a nice little bit with the biblical camouflage, but this is all setting us up for uh, the great Gonzo, Prince of Plumbers. And there, no one's watching the road because it's Again. apparently what happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the leading cause of death for Muppets is automobile accidents. Oh, I think so, too. But apparently not because this one, the two vehicles go like right into each other, and then there's like a cut, and it's not there anymore. We don't hear a sound. <laughs> we don't hear anything. It goes, oh, we missed it. And then Gonzo appears from out of the frame and goes, you call this a miss? And it's upside down <laughs> yeah. on the roof. Um, so, like, the bike is much more realistic than this. Um, and so Gonzo says that he is a dream, too. Just like the other two have a dream. He is a dream. He wants to make movies, but he wants to go to Bombay, now called Mumbai. Yeah. But he wants to go to Bombay and make movies. And apparently this line exists, and Jim Henson didn't know that people that actually made movies, like, in Bombay, oh, he didn't it was know. A Bollywood joke. He didn't know about. Well, yeah. I don't know if he wrote the joke, but Henson himself didn't get it. If it was, wow. and he was surprised to hear later if it actually like Bollywood makes double the amount of movies. Yeah. They as, churn them out like you won't believe. Because he goes, well, "We're going to Hollywood. It's fine if you want to do it the easy way." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we um, picked up a weirdo, and then we go to the car lot, and we meet Milton Berle, who plays oh, the used swerve. car salesman, <laughs> the big swerve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so the car didn't fall off the top. <laughs> And so um, we meet, is it Jack? Is that the big Muppet's name? Yeah. John? It's his job. It's his job, but does he have a name? No, I know. Jack, Jack the Jewel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know his real name is Sweetums, at least. Oh, Sweetums. Yeah, okay. Sweetums, yeah. And so they're trying to buy a car. 
because they're told their car sucks. And apparently that's good enough. Like, he's just like, all right. Was it ever established why they had to get rid of their car? Because they knew... Cause, um, it's just too recognizable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because um, Doc Hopper knows what their car looks like. Well, just every time you get away, stop stopping and having adventures. Yeah. Is it not because it had another car on top of it? I mean, that too. <laughs> but it's if you think about it, like, you have two one, vehicles, 12 bucks, jeez. Yeah. But it says, the price of the stickers is the price you pay, and he'll give them $12. And then, uh, right as soon as this is said, Sweetums smashes a fly into, which we heard buzzing for, at least yeah, the, that was did. a payoff. And the minute yeah. that they're there, we hear a fly buzzing around. And the 1195 turns into 1195. Yeah. Um, we have a decimal place now. And so they go, okay, great. And they ask Sweetums, Jack, do you want to come with us to Hollywood? And he goes, Hollywood? And he runs away. And they just kind of go, oh, I don't know why he ran away. I'm like, I know it's for the joke. I do yeah, know it's yeah, for the joke. Yeah. I, I, I don't, even as a kid, I was like, well, why did they drive away? I don't, <laughs> he didn't seem like he was like, didn't say no, it seemed positive. Yeah. I think it seemed negative. And of course, the joke is he comes out with his uh, suitcase and he wants to go to Hollywood with them, but they've left him behind. Yeah. Which should be I, another running, running gag. Ha <laughs> 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 I didn't get this until, um, until after the the Muppets 2011 film, because they reference it again, and I completely forgot about that until I saw it again for the podcast today. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's a nice callback." And then we go to the family fun fair where we have um, Jack Geller shows up, Elliot yes, Gould, Elliot Gould, yeah, <laughs> in one of the coolest ones for me. Where I'm going, he's still kind of doing stuff. He was in Friends, he was in Ocean's yeah. Eleven, Twelve and Thirteen. Like he's around still, and it was kind of nice and to I see think him. Called Ray Donovan, I think. Was he in that? Yeah. Okay, and. Um, <sighs> It's a bit weird in that it's just some random girls in swimsuits being judged. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a beauty pageant. I think they are quite common in it's America. It's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, <laughs> they're very common in drag queens. Are they? Yeah. And so, um, and there was a cameo. I didn't look up who it was. It was a guy. He see, he had like a proper like old school like wooden puppet. Yeah, doing like a ventriloquist act. That's why I said to you, is there people that are appearing in this cameo wise that was relevant at the time? That's not relevant now. Well, absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but it was interesting in a, in a film where the puppets were, the, the Muppets exist, and yeah. we're not supposed to think of the Muppets as puppets, you would then have an act of a puppet yeah. in that movie. I was Which like, was quite cool. but it's a, it's a distinction. That is a puppet. We, we are, are Muppets. Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. So One of my cool. favorite um, Kermit interviews, because of course Kermit the Frog gives interviews because he's a real life person. Oh, he goes and like, like Regis and Kelly oh, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Kermit was asked once what is the difference between a Muppet and a puppet and he just goes well puppets are this that and the other they're controlled by people and yeah. Muppets are real Muppets and like, real. that was the end of it like, there was a great episode of WWE Raw where the Muppets like host oh my goodness I need to see that and so you've got like Kermit interacting with wrestlers great. and you've got like Beaker like meet she- Beaker meets Seamus and they think they have a, they, they have like family <laughs> in common because they both have the same haircut that's amazing <laughs> Show me that I will send you. I will send you a link. It's it's got some very. It was one of the better like celebrity. And it's just the thing because everybody knows the Muppets. Maybe. Everyone knows, and the it's Muppets. so easy. Um, which is why I don't know why they screwed up so much all the time. But this was good. Um, and so then we have uh, enter Miss Piggy, who wins the the um, beauty pageant. pageant. But before that, Ellie, you've got something to say. Um, yeah, the ventriloquist was Ed- Edgar Bergen with his dummy Charlie McCarthy, and apparently Henson was enamored with him as a kid. So. Is this the guy who dies? There's someone who has a cameo spot and he dies right after filming it. And he was like Henson's hero. It probably is this guy. Yeah, Henson dedicated the film to his yes. memory. So he dies like right after this. Wow. Before, the, before, the, release, before the film yeah. comes out. So like, so it's dedicated to his memory and it was like, so it's nice that, that, that Henson's Got him in there idol yeah, yeah. Is, gets to work with him. 
It says that the Bergen family clearly saw Henson as Edgar's heir. His widow, Frances, and daughter, Candice, gave Henson a framed photo of Bergen and Charlie with the engraving, Dear Jim, Keep the Magic Alive. Oh, oh, that's, oh. that's amazing. I thought we uh, weren't supposed to make the audience cry at this episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, Kermit has entered a trance because Fozzie's trying to go, Hey, Kermit, it's not now. Not now, and it goes all twinkly, and then Piggy's like, "I've never been this happy," and we have this like zoom, zoom into yeah. into Kermit's <laughs> pathetic looking face, and we have the, and we have the and we have the never before, <laughs> and I mean it was funny. I mean, there's this fantasy running through a field, and again, I had to go. These are puppets. Yeah, like how are they doing this? And I didn't know this one because they're running through a field, so I don't know how they're doing it, but they they like. I get that part was supposed to like embrace in the middle, but of course yeah. Piggy's so strong she just keeps moving and like <laughs> is like carrying Kermit away. And then there's a shot where they're rowing, and I can only assume they're doing the rowing scene from Bridget Jones's Diary. <laughs> and hopefully Kermit's not reading the dirty poetry that uh, Daniel Cleaver was. He'd be making it up like by himself. He would be. He'd be doing great. He would. Um, and we have a Casablanca reference with all the we fog, do, which yeah. was quite nice. And there's a shot where they're like making out or kissing yeah, or something yeah. and Kermit's head pops up and then you just see Piggy's hand grab him and pull oh, him no. back down which again was like An that's a fun yeah, one for the moms and dads is, yeah. and then also it was uh, then it ends with a wedding and as the wedding's going on the choral bells are going Piggy starts to lose her key as she starts to really over sing the song <laughs> which is wonderful so because it's so intentional you know it's so intentional yeah. and the idea of it is this who's the singing voice is it Frank Oz I believe it is Frank Oz that's yeah. amazing Very good. but to think about this in the performance and go no no it needs to be this it needs to go too loud and too high and all these things but juxtaposed against the idea of the wedding mm. I liked that scene and um, then we have uh, the end of it. Gonzo decides he likes to look at Piggy too. He says, "Wow, Kermit, who's the cute pig?" At which point, Piggy's all offended. Yeah, she's just won a beauty contest, and someone's just called her cute. I mean, I think when you put yourself in a position to be judged for your beauty, I'm gonna say someone's got the right to go. She's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe not to ask someone else who's, but he's the one who knows them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she's offended that she was only called cute. No, she's like, no, I'm the most beautiful pig going. But he says to her, if you were a chicken, you'd be. He goes, if you were a chicken, you'd be impeccable. Impeccable. Which was a fun little joke. And this is where we get the idea. Piggy and Piggy is. Piggy is the girl that your friend starts dating, and then all of a sudden she's always there and she dominates everything. Mm. And you're like, all the fun is. She's Yoko Ono. She is. She is. <laughs> but yeah, and there's this idea that like the dynamic's been thrown off. It was all good time. It's probably not like probably not like Piggy. I'm like, they're all having fun. And she They're all getting it. along. Yeah. And then what does she do? She gets in the car and it's like, let's go have a romantic night together. And it's yeah. like, he's having fun. The there's nothing wrong. Be part of the group. But all yeah. of a sudden it becomes, no, do this because I want to do this. Mm. She literally says, she's like, Maybe maybe we should just go find like a room. So she's literally sort of insinuating, oh, yeah. "Yo, guys, yep. I want I want to like I want to screw Kermit, so go away." <laughs> um, Throw back to those bacon frog legs from earlier. Yes, that's true. But good point. And then before this, though, we've skipped over something, which is they're going to go have ice cream, and Kermit invites her for ice cream. Yes, and the ice cream man 
is played by Bob Hope. Now, Bob Hope, Ooh. I don't know if you guys know who Bob Hope is. Bob Hope was an American comedian. He was. And he's especially famous after a long career. He continued to go overseas and do shows for the troops. Troops, that's it. Yeah. He would always be one of those guys who would get kind of similar to how Mrs. Maisel, she gets sent over to go visit the troops. Yeah, that's the only reason why I know who Bob Hope is. <laughs> it's, it, it's that same kind of an idea. And so having Fozzie Bear, the character who wants to be a comedian, partnered up with Bob Hope was, was brilliant. Great. And you don't talk about jokes because Bob Hope's not a comedian. Bob Hope yeah. is an ice cream scooper yeah. in the scene. <laughs> but having Fozzie, who's such a bad comedian, like up there with like a legend, it's, so it's just perfect. It's so good. And then after that, we have another bang, bang sort of cameo. A lot of good cameos in this, yeah. in this uh, scene of the movie. But we Another have comedian. balloons with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, yeah. Who's trying to sell some. He's like, the women go gaga for the balloons. <laughs> and is it Camilla? Is that the name of the, of the chicken? The chicken, yeah. yeah. But yeah. And she's like, ah! <laughs> is that, ah! She goes, gaga, gaga, gaga. So he buys all of them, which then causes the problem because he goes up. But just as he's going up, which is where Disney would get the idea of Pixar for a film <laughs> whose name I can't remember. No, um, down. <laughs> down. Floating? Off. <laughs> um, <laughs> Piggy comes and she's ready to go to Hollywood. And they're going, we never really invited you to Hollywood. But they're, do they let her come because it would just be too awkward not to? No, they're just very yes. inclusive. Are they? Yeah. You want to hang out with us? We're okay with that. Yeah. I'll tell you what I did notice. There's Confederate flags in the background. There is. Now, yeah. we said, obviously, the meaning of this has changed a lot. Um Granted, it was a pretty non-diverse group of people in the background for this scene. Yeah. But I think it's supposed to give us an idea of where they are on their journey. They have made their way out of... Well, yeah. still, I mean, I think they start in Florida, I think, because yeah. he's in the Everglades. Yeah. But he, maybe he's moved his way up to Georgia or Louisiana or yeah. something. Like he's made it some distance because it still is very rural and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then um, the ice cream is brought over by Fozzie Bear. Um, Gonzo of course takes flight as we said and there's a chase and Doc Hopper has now found them as well and so Doc Hopper and his goons he's got guys with guns now I don't know how, how that mm. happened apparently he's expanding he wasn't wrong he's getting a bunch of goons he's getting a goon squad goons. and they're chasing after them and Fozzie again isn't like watching where he's going he crashes into this pie billboard and it just happens to have a spring-loaded arm and a, and real, a real pie. pie. <laughs> a six-foot massive real pie. And it coats the car, and it stops them, and Max, like, licks the... Are they replacing this pie? Fresh, like, 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 like once a day? Are they putting a new pie up there and reloading it? At least twice a day, because if not, that goes sour. Especially, like, in that sun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so we have all this stuff occur. And then, meanwhile, the gunshots just happen to hit Gonzo and bring him back down so they can get back in the car. And our heroes can drive off. And now we have all the characters in the car. It's and the second time we get Gonzo land on the windshield. And oh, that's true. That is a callback, yeah. yeah. And so the sequences where all these guys are in the car are a logistical nightmare. Because yeah. again, you have to remember, how are they getting in here? Incredible. So, Kermit and Piggy each required a puppeteer. Yeah. Fozzie requires two puppeteers. Because mm-hmm. he needs the two arms and he needs the mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And none of them can appear in the shot. So four men had to squeeze underneath the dashboard of the car with video screens so they could see what, what they were doing. I, again, I'd love to see pictures or film of this. There There's got to be some sort of around. scene. I've seen pictures of like behind the scenes Muppet uh, and stuff. And it is and amazing. This is where Piggy is the worst because she's like, pull over the car. <laughs> Let's have a little quiet night for us, Kermit. <laughs> uh, and so we cut to a date and Kermit looks like Hugh Hefner. He does. He Very is. So. <laughs> the fact that, like, let's keep this in mind. Just, just if, if I may, for a moment, 
Piggy wears clothes. We've established this. Mm-hmm. Kermit's usually naked. Kermit's usually naked. Yes. So why does he need to dress up? Exactly. Why does anyone have to dress up? To show his modesty. <laughs> and then modesty. we have the waiter, who is played by Steve Martin. Steve Martin, yeah. The asshole waiter. He's very much an asshole waiter. I loved him. He presents them of one of uh, Idaho's finest wines. It's a bottle cap. <laughs> Sparkling oh, Muscatel. Which is... <laughs> that costs like 89 cents, I think, Kermit yeah. says, or and something like that. Like 95 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's like, oh, it should be. it's good. Oh, it should be. It costs 95 cents. <laughs> <laughs> and they're about to kiss. By they, I mean Piggy and... Um, Kermit. Kermit. Which doesn't work because they've got very different shaped mouths. Yep. Uh-huh. And then there's a phone call and she told her agent, oh, I told my agent. And she runs <laughs> off. I'll be right back. Which, of course, is clue for here comes a dissolve to show that time has passed. Yeah. yeah. And she, he's obviously left. She's obviously left him. And so he goes into the hotel again because they were on the patio. And uh, Kermit meets Rolf. And uh, this is how he gets over Piggy. And Rolf is one of the oldest puppets that uh, he way predates Kermit. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Rolf was the first puppet that he did that got like mainstream attention. He was like a, a, a comedian sidekick on this late night talk show. I believe Kermit was in existence, but he wasn't in public existence. No, no. R- Rolf was. Yeah. Rolf was the yeah, first yeah. one to get, pu- to, get, to get shown and get publicity yes, and all yeah. these things. And it said that Rolf was Jim Henson's favorite character. Yeah, and the one most and the one most like Henson himself. Mm-hmm. I like that. So uh, so much so that when Jim Henson dies for six years, Rolf was a non-speaking part. How was it? Because wow. it yeah. was like, who's the right voice for this? And then his son uh, asked someone, "Will you be the voice of Rolf going forward? Because you're the right call." So really, so like, they waited. For Kermit, the right person. Kermit, they kind of had someone in the can, I guess, ready to go. Or well, they, they had a plan of succession that you can sort of mimic. Kermit is a mimicable voice, yeah. whereas Rolf's voice was yeah. very similar to Jim Henson's. Mm. So it was a lot more difficult to re- recreate. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we've said, Henson plays Rolf, and Henson plays Kermit. Yeah. So this is a duet between ah, so mm-hmm. Henson and himself. And so what happened here, well, keep in mind also, Kermit's a glove puppet, right? You put a hand up yeah. his back and that's it. Rolf typically requires two performers. Yeah. Henson's right hand controls his mouth, but his left hand controls Rolf's left hand. Yeah. So there's someone else in there doing the right hand as well. Uh, so in order to achieve a duet, the two tracks were recorded separately by Jim and then combined mm-hmm. into what we have here. And then uh, Henson, another puppeteer, performed Rolf, who required the more dramatic performance, and they had someone else pretend to be Kermit yeah. in that scene. And that's kind of how they did it, and it's one of the few times in the career of Kermit the Frog that Jim Henson is not, while he was alive, yeah, yeah. that Jim Henson is not handling Kermit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Kermit, I believe, if I've got this right, is the first puppet Jim Henson ever built. Okay. He is essentially the first iteration of Kermit the Frog was some green felt, a cut-in-half ping-pong ball, ping ball. Yep. with eyes on it. Yep. Um, and that was about it. But other than that, his design hasn't changed much at all yeah. over the years that Kermit has been a thing. So it was really cool to see. And so, and it's a nice song. I hope that yeah. something better. And also, Rolf's, Rolf's funny in a different way. He's so dry. Mm. He's, He's adult. Yeah, yeah, in a way that most of them are kind yeah. of like in stages of arrested development, Rolf is like 35. Yeah, that's who Rolf is. But it's like I'm Bit gonna go home. It. I'm gonna take myself for a walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's a dog, great. which is great. Um, and so, um, so then he, Rolf joins them on their tour, uh, but not before we get a phone call again from um, another 
from someone else that we had never seen. Kermit the Frog, you have a phone. And there's this giant phone that's got like a giant head uh, listening set. Oh, and high, so Kermit comes having to move it so that he could hear <laughs> and then talk. He couldn't, as it was, it wouldn't work. Brilliant. And he's told you uh, they've kidnapped Piggy. And if you want to, you need to meet my, 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 my guys outside. And Kermit goes outside and he gets these big tough guys come up with guns drawn. Kermit like, very genuinely asks, are you the guys I'm supposed to meet? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so we get into some underground lair where uh, we've got uh, the nutty professor, Professor Krasman, who's <laughs> German, played by Ethan. Do you know who this was? Yeah, I realized it was halfway through. It's Mel Brooks, right? It, it is Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks yeah. uh, who really has a distinctive like accent a distinctive voice, of yeah. his own. You know, um, it's it's this very Jewish kind of um, thing. So they hear like him go from German and then kind of slide back into his Mel Brooks typical voice was very funny. Um, and he's going to drop the electronic yamaka on Kermit. <laughs> that made me hell. And talk that was a- how I knew it was Mel Brooks. Talk about a very specific kind of machine. It only works for mind control on frogs. I, I mean, that's frogs. commitment to a very niche market. He, yeah. it, he says it's rapidly expanding. I don't know if it's that much. <laughs> he's big in France. Um, <laughs> and so um, then Piggy does what Piggy does. And one of the, Piggy's one of the first sort of female characters I can remember who wasn't the damsel. She might have played the damsel in distress. But she wasn't. But then she would go yeah. like, hi yeah, and do like the bit where she it's knows karate and beat people quality, up. Yeah. It is. The idea that she can handle herself and often she rescues Kermit and not the other way yeah, around. Yeah, definitely. And that's what she does here. Even though she plays the stereotype of, oh, Kermit, I know you're coming up yeah, with some plan yeah. to get us free. And then it's like, that's it. And she breaks out and kicks all because the bad guys down. Pig. Yeah. Bacon. Bacon. Yeah. And then, of course, we haven't talked about one of the cameos in this scene as well. There's a few of them, but the big yeah. one is Hillbilly Number 3 is played by... Jim Henson. Jim Henson himself. He's he the is. one with the beard. I think Frank Oz was one of them Frank as well. Frank Oz is there as well, yeah. yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, obvious once you can pick him out, you see him. You see him a lot easier yeah. in a later scene as well. Yeah, you do. Um, so Mel Brooks uh, then ends up having his brain fried, which we were told it only worked for mind control on pigs, but yeah. now... Frogs. It, uh, frogs, yes. But now, of course, it does this. Frogs. So uh, then we have... Well, so he goes ribbit. He goes ribbit, yeah. Because <laughs> he's being mind controlled as a frog, so he just goes ribbit. It, it seems that's a pretty handy tool then. because so it can, can turn humans into frogs. Yeah, like, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the phone rings. And somehow her agent <laughs> knew she would be in this underground bunker. Yeah. And then she hears about a commercial and she leaves. Again. Mm. Uh, Again. Yeah, yeah. Now, this time, it's not she's been kidnapped. This no, time, no, it really no. is her own ambition. Yeah. Uh, but th- at this point, the film burns out. And we get that burn mark and it gets through. And we find out Swedish chef is a bad projectionist. <laughs> but he's hilarious. And I think the, the film needed a beat here. It did. It's yeah. so well done. And it was like a little, you know, it's a little bit out of the narrative. He's like, oh, it's going all herky jerky. Swedish <laughs> chef is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. He's the only, like I believe. Too, when Hulk Hogan's like, you guys put my film back. Yeah, on. but I, I think they basically stole this idea in Gremlins 2. Yeah. Yeah. I believe Swedish chef is the only one with real hands. Um, only Muppet with real hands. So he's, yeah. he, they're, they're not gloved. They are just hands. Because in the earliest segment that the Swedish chef appeared in, he was doing actual cooking. And in order to handle knives, yep. it's got to be someone's real hands. Yep. Oh, so his sense. hands aren't gloved at all. Yeah, so yeah, he doesn't yeah. look Muppet-esque from the wrist down. And in this little interlude, or intermission of a sense, which it does come about halfway in the film. It's pretty it much does, the halfway yeah, point. Yeah. And we, get, we find out that Animal's big scene's coming up. And Stadler and, Wal- <laughs> Stadler and Waldorf. I just got that. Did you get that? Mm-hmm. And Stadler and Waldorf say they've, they've, they've seen detergents that leave a better film than this. 
good. I could have done with more Stadler and Waldorf, but what I got, I enjoyed. Yeah. And then we're told this is the patriotic bit. And it's <laughs> Fozzie singing America the Beautiful for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and just in case we didn't get it, uh, Fozzie goes, patriotism swells in the heart of the American bear. And then we cut to shooting practice, and these guys are all stormtroopers in training because yeah. they can't hit this little, <laughs> co- this little like wooden like Kermit the Frog cutout. And like Max is poor Max is having to like hold this this cutout and try and make it happen. He stands up very quickly for someone who's been shooting. Yeah, shot I at. thought that really weird. Yeah, and it's time to bring in a specialist, and the specialist is Snake Walker. And we went, who is this who guy? Is that guy? His name's Scott Walker. He didn't. He wasn't really much of anything. That would have been a great cameo it, for someone big. You have to wonder if someone else dropped out. Because oh, okay. apparently there were a few people who dropped out and they had to rewrite scenes with other cameos and oh. da 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 da. So it would have been a great cameo. Maybe. Wouldn't surprise me if he was just another Muppet puppeteer that was. I, no, I looked him up. Oh, he's he just an actor. He's just an actor. Just an oh, actor. Okay. He's, not, he's not one of Henson's he crew. Did any of them? Or? No, not really. He didn't have He's had age. a look. Was it me or did yeah. he, he didn't have no presence? No, he wasn't supposed, supposed to. Though, it was felt he? like it was a threat they were introducing, and the threat was never really paid off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really strange. Um, and so then we get the song. No, sorry. Then we come across Piggy, who's hitchhiking. Yeah. How she's made it further. Oh, I'd have carried, carried on, on driving. driving. Piggy wants to get in. They even go, should we help her with her bag? And I think it's Foz. goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is important because as the audience, we need to see Piggy suffer a bit. Now we don't see her suffer nearly long enough. No, she no. needs to suffer a lot longer because she comes in. And uh, Kermit, she has to apologize to Kermit, and she goes, "Frankly, my Miss Piggy, I don't give a hoot." Yes, that was a great which was a nice line. Casablanca yeah. callback again. That Piggy, is that one Gone with the Wind? That one? No. Gone the wind? Uh, you can look it up. Uh, and Piggy tries to make yes, up. It is, gone with the wind. is it Gone with the Wind? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Piggy tries to make up, and it's not happening. He's like, "Nope, nope, nope." And then Piggy doesn't understand consent because she wants a little kissy wussy. He goes, "No," and then she does it anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. It's very, um, that's very rare to see Kermit stand up to her, isn't it? It is. He's somewhat, He's you such know? a dormant, which is part of the reason why I hate Miss Piggy so yeah. much, because I think Kermit's a great, is, is, is very inspirational and a leader and all these sorts of things. And he, everybody else looks up to him as a role model so much of the time, and then Piggy's like a script tonight. Yeah. My favorite thing she doesn't about make, the She doesn't make him better. No way. I, I get into like a, into like a marriage counseling yeah, session yeah. on like Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, but she does not <laughs> make him. How does she make his life better? Yeah, she doesn't. He makes her She's life better. a lot, lot better. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Ethan, what were you going to say? It's, it's very much almost like like cartoonishly trying to show, like not a domestic abuse relationship, but in that same vein of this person needs help. I think which the- I kind of liked how they kind of explored in the ABC show how the second he got with was a name Denise. Yeah. He was like better in himself entirely. Yeah. Which is why I hate the ending. I think the comedy in the Miss Piggy concept is the idea of it's all. Who wears the pants in the relationship? It's Piggy. Yeah. yeah and it's this, it, it comes from this very misogynistic place in the sense that that would be, a woman being in charge would be funny, but therefore yeah. we need to play it to 10 on the scale yeah. instead of like six. So I, I, I've just always, ha- I just always hated that dynamic. Same. It is, it's really strange because if you do know the history of Jim Henson, he starts up doing Muppets and things with... Uh, someone he was in college with, um, female, and they eventually marry and have children. And even after they divorce, they still work together really, really well. Um, and it's does it have its? I mean, we talked about Punch and Judy in in a previous episode. Yeah. Does it have its roots in this idea? Maybe the idea that he will be the the whipping boy and she will be the battle axe, and that's humor and that's fun and that's part of the that's part of puppetry. Yeah, yeah. The combative group, but we take the combat out of one of them and just let the other one do it. It's just interesting that obviously that's not yeah. Jim Henson's perspective because it's not how his life was. So, 
And then uh, there's a radio interruption, and we get there's a like he's broadcasting how he's going to kill Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like this is you're, if you ever do like it's not going to take you long to get put away for this. Nope. Uh, even like even like names like you know Snake Walker is going to take you out. <laughs> but how else were they going to get it into the car? They read the screenplay, and the car is backfiring, <laughs> and the car breaks down, and someone will come along soon. And of course, it goes from light to dark. It's but deep, then, as yeah. this happens, there's like the sound effect from Back to the Future when, like, you see yeah. the DeLorean, it's like that, like that twinkly do do do. We both heard it, and we both. Yeah, I heard it. I thought so. I did. I did a quick search on Google and tried to think if anybody's ever heard this, and I can't find any reference to it. But it is the sound effect from when the DeLorean shows up. So again, if anybody's out there, did they think the same? Yeah. What was that, Ethan? I. I thought it was, and then I was like, well, this is 79, so this is like a yeah, good... Predates, like, predates it, yeah, this predates it, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, that's just, I, that's just like, that's a coincidence. Is but it possible? Then it's like, the sun setting, there's a billboard, they've got this this uh, vehicle just slowly going, and I'm like, that, that's yeah, true good point. Is it possible Is it that Back to the Future is actually based on a true story? <laughs> and they went back and said, here, put this in your movie. <laughs> It'll be great. There's a, there's a fourth movie we never found out where Marty McFly goes back to 1978 and helps Jim Henson make this movie. It will throw off like five people on a podcast in 2020, <laughs> but no one else will get it. But it will be worth it. Just, yeah, just don't, just don't, take just don't take any sports almanacs. It'll be fine. <laughs> I genuinely want to know if anybody else heard that. So if anybody else, if you've seen it, if you've heard it, if you want to go check it out, go on Disney Plus. Take a look at this. It's just when they're in the desert, just when yeah. they start to the car breaks down. It's about an hour into the film. Yeah. Take a look. Do, do you hear what we hear? And can you, if anybody can find anything like that, I'd be really interested to know. It's It's like a wind chime. It, it is. It's, but it's a very but distinct set of very big, distinct. notes. It's the same this notes. This just makes me want, I want Muppets Back to the Future now because of this. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> be so great. good. Um, and then uh, we go to, and they're around a campfire. And Kermit starts saying how he didn't promise anybody anything. And it seems weird because I don't think anyone's going, Kermit, you promised us. They're just going, we're probably not going to make the, the audition, are we? And he yeah, goes, I that. no. And Kermit starts going, I didn't promise you guys that we'd, that we'd make it. I just promised that, that we'd his, try. That was his dream at that point to get to there. Right. And I, we find out it pays off in a minute. But there's this yeah. lovely song where Gonzo sings. I thought the choice of Gonzo was a really good one. Yeah. To sing the song, Gonzo is one of my favorite Muppets. I'm, see, I'm, I sleep on Gonzo. I don't really get it. No, I, don't. I really like because he's like the oh, he's the weird one. Like he's not animal, but he's oh, he's the, on that scale. I'm the same. Are I don't you, I don't normally get him, but in yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol, oh, he's great. He's great. In that. He's great. In Are you just because of Muppets from Space? I, I, I might. You know, what? <laughs> I, I really might be because that was so bad. Um, but the song I'm going to go back there someday was one of Jim Henson's favorites. And Georgia, you made a comment that you know. I did. Th- yeah. This would be a song that you wouldn't mind having played at your funeral. Yeah, I said if I die early, play this at my funeral. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gonzo's performer, Dave Goles, performed this song at Jim Henson's Jim memorial because it was one of Henson's favorite songs. So, yeah, a really, really touchy, touchy sort, of, sort of moment. And then Kermit goes off in the desert and sees a version of himself and they have a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was getting pizza out of the oven, so I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let these three, four speak for a bit and try and go, what did I miss? Because I know he talks to himself. Yeah, so he talks to himself about promising people that they'd get there and this different bits and pieces. And he's listing off who's there. And he goes, the pig and the bear and the dog and whatever Gonzo is, which is really nice. You think he goes, I think he's a turkey or something. Like, it's really nice just to have that little, it's more self referential. It's really lovely. 
Um, eventually he decides he didn't promise anyone, but he did promise himself that yeah. he would get there. And that's why it's affected him so badly because he wants to get there despite all of these other people around him. He's decided that's what he's promised himself. And it's really quite lovely. And then enter the electric mayhem who have found them. And at this point, Liam goes, well, how'd they find them? And it's like, well, <laughs> I did. just, just wait, wait a wait, second. Wait. Because <laughs> Kermit goes, how'd you find us? <laughs> <laughs> and in, in a wonderful bit, like I said, you forget about it just enough. They didn't go there too often. They said, well, we read the screenplay you gave us. It says right here, yeah. exterior desert night. We knew we knew exactly where to find you because there's one desert. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite so line. So, uh, and then we have a reprise of moving right along. And Georgia, you noticed, I didn't, but you noticed how it had a lot more electric and a lot more funk yeah, to it. Yeah, it was, it was played as if it was the instruments that they were using, which, I mean, it sounds so obvious, but I think so many times music in films isn't like that. It was diegetic rather than non-diegetic, which I really appreciated. And also within the... Um, Within the vehicle itself, uh, you could see all the Muppets. I'm sitting there going, puppeteers had more space on the set. Yeah. <laughs> inside the bus, that they had some space. They're like, right, we've done, we've done a small car. We've done a bit yeah. bigger of a car. We're now going in a bus. We can't do it anymore. Yeah. At which point, there's a motorcycle cop. And uh, they go, and then, is it, is it Dr. Teeth who goes, it's the fuzz. It's the, fuzz, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the police. It's the fuzz. It's the P.I. Oh, and then Pete goes, <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> Which, so good. I, as far as Piggy goes, my favorite moment of, of the yeah. whole film. Yeah, for Piggy, um, yeah. And then Sam is there with a warning about the frog killer, which is great, but he's just committed like a serious criminal offense. Impersonating a Impersonate police, police officer yeah, and yeah. pulling someone over. Like, you can yeah. get real time for but that. But that's how serious the situation was. It's the only cop I saw in the whole movie. Yeah. Jeez. Preventing a murder. Aye. Yeah. So Kermit's decided, no, because that not prevent anything. Kermit's decided, I'm going to stand up to my bully. I want a showdown. And what's the next town? Well, we happen to be in luck. It's a ghost town. Ghost so town. we go to the ghost town where we meet uh, Dr. Honeydew and Beaker. To which I pointed out to everyone around the table. It took me ages to realize why he's named it. But Dr. Honeydew's head is literally the same shape, size, color as a Honeydew, as a honeydew mouth. And I'm the kind of guy yeah. who never notices these things. So I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> uh, and they invent things like Instagrow pills. And they go, oh. And they show a four-foot prune. And they go, is it just temporary? And like Beaker looks down and goes, <laughs> only temporary. Which I'm sure. Which I'm sure. I'm sure they made an erectile dysfunction joke here. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Basically, they, they invent Viagra about 15 years earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, temporary. <laughs> and we get an old school. Which, in which case, I'm sorry. It is just the two of them. <laughs> oh, I'm, <laughs> I would totally be okay so, with so the fact that they are like in a gay relationship Honeydew yeah. and Beaker yeah. definitely yeah. I had yeah. never thought of it like that just, just say it um, and then Kermit's big and then so there's a showdown in the old west and the, the ghost town it's a great little thing they're riffing off of western movies it's good and Henson's there again he's really he's, he's really, really prevalent there he's, he's, yeah. the one, he's the one with the beard yeah. and there's gonna be a showdown and Kermit does a big speech about family and who do you have who are your friends, Doc? But I like the way he comes out in his spurs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like a, that's so good. But again, walking. Yeah, Another yeah. walking one, right? So good. And this has to be one of the animatronic ones. Yeah, yeah. It has to be. And so uh, he asked Doc, who's your friend? And he goes, Max is my friend. <laughs> and Max is like, no, you know. no I'm an employee. Yeah. <laughs> and Kermit uh, doesn't think Doc is a bad man, he says. And I'm like, I totally think Doc is a yeah. bad man. Yep. And then he goes, he makes his big speech, and he goes, all right, boys, kill him. And at this point, Animal bursts through the ceiling, yeah. and oh, it, it, just, it just scares everybody. Yes, it will end game, yeah. And it just scares everybody away. And that's it. We never see them again. 
It's because you can't control animal. So imagine a huge, tall building animal. Well, we were told that the effects of the enhancement pill were temporary. And they're not lying because the next shot, animal must be back to regular size because they're back in the bus. So the prune has been there for I don't know how long. They must have only just done the prune. Yeah, it must have done (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think it's a bit of a, something we got to call a plot hole. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, and so when Animal accidentally uh, eats all the Grinstagirl pills, uh, Jim Henson refused to use a normal size puppet on a miniature set. So yeah. his crew had to construct a gigantic animal head that measured 60 feet. Wow. Oh my God. I want that in my house. I love Jim Henson. I love Jim Henson. So much. No, we do it real. We do it properly. That's cool. You'd seconds. never do that today. No. Jim Henson is... Is what well, I say is was the first, the incredible. first and last yeah. of of a dying breed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He always knew that his time was running out as well, so he did everything he wanted to do when he and, wanted. And to were the do better it. for it's it. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So on the road again, again, because we're headed to the worldwide studios, uh, and then we get they're there to meet Lou Lord, and Lou Lord is a reference to real life producer Lou Gard. Lou, sorry, Lou, Lou Grade, Lou Sir Grade. Lou Grade. Yeah. And that's when Jim Henson was trying to find someone to make the Muppet Show in '76. No one would touch him. Uh, but Lou Grade recognized the vision and yeah. made the show possible. And then there's a bit where they can't just walk in. They have to have an appointment, and they're stopped by the secretary. I like her. Who <laughs> they like then, her. she says that she's allergic to animals. animals so I guess Kermit's supposed to really be, I guess he's really supposed to be really, of course he's really a frog. Of course yeah, he is. He's not, got, he's not got fur. Yeah. He just sits, he, he sits there but and let they, the fan But they turn the on the fans, yeah. and they like all stand there, and Let's call a spade a spade. They bully their way into this audition. Oh, they definitely yep. do, yeah. Like, uh-huh. they might have killed like that poor woman. It's like the equivalent, like the equivalent of shoving peanuts in a woman's face, being like, come on, let us in, let us in. They are like, <laughs> it's they a good are, job it wasn't anaphylaxis. They are waterboarding this woman. This is the reason why there are now signs up around all reception desks all over the country saying bullying and harassment of our staff are not tolerated. It's the Muppets' fault. And then we go to the big boss. And this is played by Liam. You had a big reaction to this one. I yeah. shrieked. Orson yeah. Welles. Orson Welles. He's such a serious guy and such a serious actor and such a serious writer, I believe. That um, and so well, yeah, he, he wrote day. and directed Citizen King. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to see him do something like The Muppets was like, what? Yeah. And so seeing the man who caused most of America to think they're being invaded by aliens and were going to die, be like, "Hey, Kermit, let's vibe." I was—it just—it blew my mind. You are making reference to War of the Worlds, right? I'm assuming yeah. War of the Worlds, the original, not the Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. Disaster. Yeah, the radio play. <laughs> Different I disaster. I love that story so much. Um, so he says, and so um, he says, "Draw up the standard rich and famous contract for Kermit the Frogs and Friends and Company." And Company, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And apparently, all you have to do in Hollywood just show up and ask. You didn't even have to like. Do anything. Well, right, I'm it off. It just goes back to that advert right at the beginning that just said, wanted frogs who want to become And also, famous. we were told at the start, because what's the nephew's name? Robin. Robin says, is this really the story of how the Muppets got yeah. started? And he kind of went, well, kind of with it's a little a, bit of creative a, license. Yeah, so. a, I think he says it's an approximation or yeah. something like that, yeah. So then we do a movie, and I'm, if I have a complaint, it might be this... Well, it might be this movie stayed it's, it's welcome one song too many. I don't know if I needed... Uh, the magic store about how they're making the movie and they're setting everything up. Because at what point the Muppets, why do they have to crew their own movie? Why do they have to build because sets? Because they always crewed and build their sets for the show. Yeah. Well, um, I personally think that should have ended there. A bunch of 2D props 
Uh, and the cool thing, though, is the 2D props are what we've already seen. Yeah. So it's mm. keep in mind, we're watching a movie that knows it's a movie, and they're making a movie inside of the movie we know is a movie for so the movie they're watching. watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the movie like, that they're watching. Head. If you go, the like, got a movie. anybody who says Inception the is... The movie has got a movie. Anybody who says Inception's complicated. No, 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 <laughs> yeah, man. This right. was first. Just so many layers of Muppet meta, is And so um, Animal runs the sound levels. Sorry, Animal's not running the sound levels. Animal ruins the sound <laughs> levels. And I fully related to Professor Honeydew here with the smoke coming out of his ears going... <laughs> <sighs> um, and so then we have a reprise of the Rainbow Connection. And this is when the set falls apart. And they tear a roof in the studio followed by a rainbow. And I know it's supposed to be nice. I still think the studio's going to be pissed. <laughs> I still think it's kind of dumb. I know it's like, we're being cute. Look, look, the, the rainbow, it was just it was no, weird. Is, it's the ending of, I I think, that bit, because it's still within the film, within the film, isn't yep. it, at this point? Yes, it is. That is the ending of the film. Oh, yeah, that is in right. the screenplay. That's a strange place to end your film yeah. within a film. Mm. They, no, they they crash everything and everything yeah. like that, and then they go. You don't need to make materialistic items. It's about the people that are around you, and we get some beautiful Muppet cameos there. Well, if I can, uh, the closing reprise of Rainbow Connection featured a crowd of more than two hundred and fifty Muppet characters, virtually every Muppet that had been created up until that point in time, according to Henson archivist Karen Falk. One hundred and thirty-seven puppeteers were enlisted from the Puppeteers of America, along with, of course, the regular Muppet performers, to perform every Muppet that was in existence. Prior so to impressive. prior to the day-long filming of the shot, Henson gave the enthusiastic participants a lesson in the art of cinematic puppetry, and amazingly, it did just take one day. The Muppet Show fan club newsletter, if this still existed, I would be on the list. Same. Answered the question <laughs> of how did they do it. The response was there are two hundred and fifty puppets in the last shot of the film, and they're all moving. How? 150 puppeteers all standing in a pit that was six feet deep and 17 feet wide. That's how. In a 2004 interview, John Landis, the director, revealed he was the puppeteer for Grover in that sequence. Because Frank Oz, who usually would be the puppeteer for Grover, is puppeteering Miss Piggy. Landis also noted that Tim Burton is in the pit in that that shot. That is cool. Doing one of the puppets. Landis and Burton are both in the pit. That's That's brilliant. They were both in the pit. That is a pit I would like to fall into. I really hope the puppets from uh, the Muppet movie inspired him to do American Werewolf in London. I don't know enough about it. I'd love to comment. I don't. It's it's a lot of practical like puppetry effects. Oh, is it? it is, yeah. Yeah. I always appreciate. I appreciate the artistry of Tim Burton. Yeah. I, I do. just don't get it, but I appreciate what he does. I appreciate, it and I don't get it either. But yeah. yeah. And then. We have the closing credits, which are a fun little bit where we get a little bit more personality. Like our end scene here. Like our end scene here. <laughs> and then Animal just goes, go home, go home. And just that's kind of the movie. Just a couple last tidbits here before we move on to the end game. Film's music was written by Ken. They called him Kenny in the actual things. Kenny Asher and Paul Williams. And regarding the music's composition, Paul Williams said Jim Henson gave his his people more creative freedom than anybody's I've worked with in my life. Uh, Williams said that he asked, "Do you want to hear the songs as we're writing them?" And Henson went, "No, I'll hear them in the studio. I know I'm going to love them." And he says, "You just don't get the kind of freedom these days of anybody do else. Just go and do the best job you can." Do you think he reason he gave them the freedom? Is because he wanted the freedom himself when he's doing stuff. Well, he's the boss. He can do whatever he wants. So, you know, yeah, when he was starting out. I think Henson believes. Oh, I hear you saying now, yeah. yeah. I think Henson believes that artists work at their best, best yeah. when yeah. they feel that they are appreciated and appreciated or that they have a voice in their own vision. Yeah. If, if it's something that they want to do. Yeah. And you, I, I trust you. Go do something. Go do something awesome. Yeah. And then bring it back to me. And your own drive. You know, you, if you surround yourself with good people, 
you're fine. I mean, we've worked on creative projects well, I do well if someone says, go ahead and tr- try what you want to do. Unless it's dancing. And then, yeah, <laughs> but I'm not going to dance it. I yeah. would go, please give me direction on that. Yeah. But other things, if it's like, let me try my hand at writing something, or why yeah. don't you help me write something, we'll come back to the group yeah. and we'll show everybody. That's, I, I think if you let creative people be creative, isn't it? Yeah. You let creative people be creative, amazing things will happen. Mm-hmm. You get creative people and you try to rein that in, things start to hit yes. and not yeah. gel because creativity has got to come from a place of freedom. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Credit to Jim Henson. The film was made for $8 million. No. What's that like in this grand scheme of things at that time? Is it's, that, is that no, a big budget? It's a pretty high budget. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. I mean, because it is, it is not a kid's program. It is, a, it is like the Saturday night program. So what we're talking prime that? time contract money. Does anybody money. know what Superman would have been? Oh, I have no that's idea. around that time. I didn't know but what... But $8 million for budget's not was, small. You know. Not small back then. Okay. And it made $76.7 million domestically, so U.S. and Canada. Wow. I couldn't find global. But it does like nine, almost ten times its original budget. That's, yeah. that's just... Well, keep, low, keep, like, keep in mind, like, you've got the Muppet Show yeah. as a, like, like a year-long advertisement for this movie. Yeah. Um, Superman's budget was $55 million. Oh, okay. Oh, so it is. So, okay. just so it's a shoestring. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, it was the most expensive film made up to that point. Okay, so there we go. Okay. So, um, and then, so it was the seventh highest grossing film of 1979, and only and only one other Muppet movie has beaten it at the box office. Christmas Carol? No. <gasps> 2011? 2011. Yeah. Wow. 2011. The, the Jason Siegel. <laughs> but, like, you think about the economics of the film so, industry. So like, did, of course it's yeah, going to make more yeah, money. Yeah. So did um, Christmas Carol do more well? Later, Christmas, than... Christmas Carol did well. It just didn't do that 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 money. Oh, okay. Like I said, by the time Christmas Carol came out, a successful movie, a highly successful movie, would still make fifty million dollars. Oh, okay. But it wasn't like now where you have to make a hundred and something yes, to kind of hit yeah. that hit that spot. Like budgets were going to be like twenty million. So, yeah. and it was a very small it was a very small set as far as like they did everything on like you know a soundstage on, Christmas Carol on was, a soundstage. Yeah. yeah. So first film they did without Jim Henson. His son does it. Yes, that's oh. true. And you know what? Good on them because yeah. they, and they nail it. Because that's so brilliant. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And the success of the film gave Jim Henson the opportunity to release more Muppet productions theatrically. There would be the original trilogy and then we would get one-offs. So, you know, and we can find two of the original trilogy. You can't get Muppets Take Manhattan because that is a Sony-owned film, I believe. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. So it doesn't show up, which is really, really weird. Hmm. But, yeah. And so that is the Muppet movie. And that, we're just going to have a pause for the parks. Literally hey, frantically going back through my messages. For the parks. And while George's host <laughs> frantically go through the messages, a pause for the parks is the point in the podcast where we pause our movie review mm-hmm. and we go, how have the ideas and characters from this film sort of been incorporated into Disney parks, which generally means, Liam, that I stop talking except for making, you know, stupid oh. jokes. And Georgia <laughs> and Ethan basically have three minutes we put on the clock to go ahead and I'm walk us through this, one. this Features content from one of our listeners, Andrew Ashevsky, yeah. who this is his idea, and we've incorporated it, and we've enjoyed it. He's um, well up for Oh, and he also told me that he, too, cried when he saw Onward in the cinemas. So there we go. <laughs> it was a crying kind of movie, I guess. Georgia, why don't you go ahead? So we get a message from um, Andrew every week, which is really useful because it means I've got something to kind of riff off, and so has Ethan when, um, when we do this, but I really appreciate it. He's described the Muppet movie as an amazing film with cameos galore and a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes effort to create an overall chaotically fun movie. And I think, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, he says, the Muppets have had a constant but somewhat light presence in the park, and they mostly appear in Walt Disney World, so the Florida park um, is where Muppets are most heavily featured. Um, 
the main attraction being Muppet Vision 3D, which I believe is just closed. I think they've just like quite recently closed Muppet Vision 3D. Am I right in that, Ethan? I don't know that they've closed. I know there was some some hinky stuff about it maybe being taken over because of uh, Galaxy's Edge, but as far as I know, it's still open. Oh, right. Okay. So it might not be Muppets forever, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, so they would do that. It's a 3D show. It was one of the first 3D shows, I think, that came to um, came to the parks. Um, they've appeared as walk-around characters. They've appeared in in parades as more puppet-like characters. Um, lots of different things. There's also a... There was a ride in Disney's California Adventure for with the Muppets in it. Um, they have a two restaurants, a pizzeria, um, which is named after Rizzo, so a, a pizza Rizzo. Okay. <laughs> um, and... They had a the Regal Eagle Smokehouse, which was the barbecue one named after Sam the Eagle. Sam the Eagle, That's yeah, yeah. Um, but they mostly do perform in um, Epcot and those sorts of places rather than um, the other parks. Ethan, I don't know about you, but I can't remember a single Muppet pres- presence in Paris. I don't remember seeing anything. No, there's nothing really Muppets related. It's usually like I've I've seen I've seen the Epcot stuff because it's uh, Beaker and Honeydew going around, which is really impressive. Oh, it's this giant animatronic, animatronic of incredible. Uh, Beaker and Honeydew that wheel around and they interact with. Oh, hang on, I've, I've seen just... this on a video somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's really impressive. And the 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 was it? It's in Main Street, I think, in that might Florida, be. where they have yeah. like the presidents thing. Hall of Presidents. They do like a Presidents America show. It's like the history of America done yeah. by the Muppets. <sighs> Oh, I've heard of this. I know it was yeah, the Muppets. Yeah, okay. it's done by the Muppets. No, there is a Hall of Presidents in Disney, which is all of the presidents as animatronics. Like the actual That's what I know about. Okay. That's what you know about. But the Muppets have done an American history kind of show, which yeah, was done not? out of the window of... So it was like a big... You know, like Main Street has all these like buildings that are all facades for the most part, or mm-hmm. got shops underneath them. Um, one of them it has operational windows, and they have Muppets come out of them to do the story, mm-hmm. which is really quite cool to see. And the, it's like, got like the American flag and that sort of stuff on it. Um, Muppet walk around characters. If you ever look at see pictures of them, are absolutely terrifying. They were, they don't, oh, the they don't lend themselves to it because one, they don't lend themselves to it, and two, the proportions are all out to fit well, no, a real human being inside a Kermit frog. Kermit's pump. legs are like yeah, poles yeah, yeah. as opposed so to like not, big. Yeah, they were just look stupid. Work, no. but it looks absolutely terrifying, hilarious, but it's, terrifying. it's like if you ever see someone trying to do like a three D. Like the Simpsons have never been able to figure out three D yeah. in any representation yeah. for anything. Video games live people whatever the situation it just doesn't work and so just realize your limitations and go not what we're good at mm-hmm. i believe as well Tree the muppets... trunk leg kermit scares me yeah. yeah the muppets also have a bit of a presence in the universal park okay um, because i think one of the films or something is still belongs to universal, universal still have the distribution rights to muppet uh, the great muppet caper and to yeah. the muppet movie so if they were ever going to re-release it in the theaters universal would have the right to do that that would not be disney studios that yeah, would be universal so i've seen videos of like a christmas show from a few years ago that involved some of the muppets i think it had big bird in it i think it had elmo i think it had oscar the grouch okay. so it was more sesame street based but i mean they they still are muppets but they're oscar the grouch in a oscar the grouch in a christmas hat i don't know how that works was great because there's not a whole lot of sesame street content on disney plus i don't think that counts they bought jim H- i don't know how that counts. i don't think because that's children television workshop i think that's a different i don't yeah, think that's jim henson productions were, it's not jim henson no. productions if you watch the credits of this as well they credit um children's What's it called? Children's, children's television. Uh, children's television work, 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 workshop. Workshop, I think. Yeah. yeah, they credit them for the use of Big Bird. So because that was the legacy he wanted different. to have. He wanted to entertain and educate. Yes, definitely. Kind of similar to what Walt apparently was. Yeah. Was about Jim Henson and Walt Disney were like two sides of the same coin. Yeah, both visionaries in their yeah. fields, just different uh, mediums, so to speak. But yeah, no, I the 
like an, uh, Ethan said the animatronic of Honeydew and Beaker is incredible. Okay. It's like a robotic thing that walks around. What well, yeah. doesn't walk around? Like scoots around, which is really cool. Other than that, there isn't a massive presence for them, and I wish there was more because I really like the Muppets. Yeah, it's something that I would, if, if I were ever to go, I would be interested. Going, hey, Muppet stuff? No, nah, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much, Andrew, for the contribution for a pause for the parks. And now let's look at some reviews. Roger Ebert, you know, I like Roger Ebert of the right. Chicago Sun Times, gave it three and a half stars out of four, and he said he was fascinated. The Muppet movie not only stars the Muppets, but for the first time shows us shows us their feet. Yeah, and he, it, it was the, it was the technical spectacle and wonder of it all. Vincent Camby of the New York Times offered equal praise, stating that the film demonstrates once again there's always room in the movies for unbridled amiability, one that's governed by intelligence and wit. And that's the thing: if you're going to be that sort of everything's so good and happy and positive, then it has to be equal part. Arts intelligent. What do you think about that, Liam? I think so too. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I totally agree. And then finally, uh, you've got Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune, who used to be the other half of Siskel and Ebert, gave it three and a half stars out of four as well and said, surely one of the summer's most entertaining films, which does a fairly nice job of trying to be all things to all people, which is not an easy job. So also not an easy job. We've got about when we got, we're a little bit long time, not too light, but we're a little bit light. Uh, so let's make sure we're, we're ready for responses to go around the circle. Let's go around this way, I say, which is a great format for for, for, for radio or audio because <laughs> not everyone knows what this way means. <laughs> so there we go. We'll go in the circle. Uh, favorite character in the film, Georgia? I mean, other than Kermit because, I mean, it's Kermit's film, isn't it? Okay. Um, probably... Oh. Mm, I do love Sadler and Wardolf. Okay. They don't get enough, but I do love them. Excellent. Ellie? Um, again, other than Kermit, I think probably Ralph the Dog. Okay. It's quite a nice little part. I love um, how you tell us that Ralph was the dog. Well, I mean, that's his name, though, isn't it? Because Kermit is Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Okay, but if you went Kermit, I wouldn't go, okay, okay fair enough. Ralph Thank the dog. Um, well, <laughs> to be fair, I only got his name written down as we were doing the podcast because I didn't know what his name was. Um, but I mean, I would just go back to what we said at the start as well, in that this is definitely Miss Piggy's least annoying role I've ever seen <sighs> her in. So I, I completely appreciate everything you've said about her. But previously, she's been tenfold of all of that annoyance and selfishness and just blah. So I actually you, didn't mind her in this too You know much. what sucks? You know what sucks about it though? Sucks, sucks, sucks. Is it because she's the only f- I mean, there's, there's Denise. Okay, there's Janice. Denise. Janice, sorry. There is Janice uh, who's in Electric Mayhem. But really you think Miss Piggy's the only female Muppet. Mm-hmm. There aren't many. I wish no, they were So more, therefore, yeah. without, without meaning to, she represents women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if there's only one then the, the Oh, I don't think Camilla the Chicken really counts, does she? Ah, I'll tear up my page, I but I've got Camilla notes on the it. Chicken I'm with you on that. Yeah. Well, Camilla doesn't speak, though. So Camilla's, I mean, it's really yeah. weird because is Camilla a pet, in which case that's creepy with her and Gonzo. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. he's, Camilla is, Camilla is like there's like a romantic relationship, Gonzo. but it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just kind of weird because no one else, no one else knows what she's saying. So she, she could be saying, I'm not happy. Let me go. <laughs> I mean, she looks pretty happy when he was buying a balloon. I know, I'm, but I'm trying to make it. But it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. so I don't think you make Camilla a representation of women. No. No. I think Piggy is the one because Camilla's a chicken. Yeah, she's not like an anthropomorphized chicken. She's a, a chicken. chicken, whereas Miss Piggy is an anthropomorphized pig. pig. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so therefore she's more likely to, you can have human qualities in that. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to Janice, who's a human. Yeah. But you know, doesn't really do anything, really do anything besides go, oh hello, hey guys, we're gonna have organic. Yeah. And- she doesn't even have eyes like. 
No. Oh, also, just picking on the eyes, there was some weird, like, there was a different model for Piggy when she went nuts with the karate, yeah. and her eyes were like, oh, no. the character design of Piggy <laughs> was, was not weird. good in this. Well, let's, let's come back to that. The character design she of Piggy was really not good. Yeah. yeah. Liam. I really like the secretary at the end. <laughs> oh, Liam. She's my favorite character. Okay. Uh, Ethan. I love Gonzo so much. Okay. Any anything you want to add to that, or is that just the, the whole? No, of it? I was just I was just moving moving right along. Moving right along. Okay, then I will say oh, I'm torn. Uh, You're gonna say Fuzzy Bear. Aren't you? I am gonna eventually settle on Fuzzy Bear. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but I did I did really like the scene with Ralph. Yeah, I yeah, really really did. Nice. But it's a scene. Yeah, and then it's over. And Fozzie's why... consistent throughout, but Fozzie's always like the sidekick. He's the right hand man. Mm-hmm. So I like, you know, Fozzie having best supporting star kind of status. He's yeah. a nice foil for Kermit, who's so uh, professional and whatever. And, and Fozzie just doesn't know how to read the room. He just wants to make one more joke. But he's also so genuine. If he's sad, oh, it's, so I'm. I'm. So what I'm trying to say is, I'm owning my predisposition to like Fozzie in this, okay, yeah. but still, Fozzie is my choice. But it would be. It would be. Of course, it would be Kermit if it was that. Kermit is oh, definitely. Kermit is definitely I think that's why well. I struggled to pick anyone else is because Kermit, this is Kermit's story and Kermit is so it prevalent is. in it. But out of the little parts, Gonzo, I adore, but also Swedish Chef. He's he my favorite. Got the little parts. On that note, uh, let's talk about cameos, <laughs> shall we? Yes. Yes. So, which was your favorite cameo? The only one I already knew the name of was Mel Brooks. Uh, this is okay. even the characters where I went though. Here's a bunch of little human parts that we mm-hmm. had that were clearly, and we said this was a cameo. Yeah, this yeah. was a cameo. Is there one of those parts you were like, I really enjoyed that? Uh, I did like the ice cream man. Okay, so Bob, like that, okay. yeah, and um, Mel Brooks. Okay, um, it is the only person that I knew in advance, but I also thought he was the best. Um, was Steve Martin? Steve Martin is the asshole. I thought waiter. he was really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's his official title, but it should have been Steve Martin, the <laughs> asshole waiter. Liam, for me, it was Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was good. I, yeah. I don't really like Richard Pryor, but he was really good in this. He was very toned down for Richard Pryor. He was very toned down for Richard uh, Pryor. I was, I was expecting a bit more. Richard um, Pryor's very blue in his content. Like very, he's okay. sexual and um, challenging to hear. Yeah. So that was nice to see him in a calmed down role. Yeah. Because I was expecting something <laughs> like yeah. him, but it didn't. So that was good. Ethan. I really liked uh, Mel Brooks. I, I, I mean, I just love Mel Brooks in general, but he, he had that that energy, that great energy, and I think it's that that one line about you know the electronic yarmulke. All right, uh, Ellie, something you want to say? Uh, just that I realised I did actually know two of the other cameos beforehand, so I, that what I said was a lie, but I still prefer Steve Martin. I don't know if we can trust you because you're a liar. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say I do like Steve Martin, uh, but just for the sake of giving another name in there, Ed, Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise. I thought he, as a first one, I'm like, fine. If Orson Welles is your big end one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dom DeLuise made me go, oh, shoot, we're going to have some people in this. Oh, I forgot about yeah. him. Bernie the Agent was really quite good in the whole like alligators. What do you yeah, mean alligators? Yeah. He was, and the setup for jokes that would pay off, the, the, the whole Harry Krishna joke yeah. and all these things, really, really nice start to it. Uh, lots of songs. I mean, do I have to ask, but favorite song? Either one of the first two, Rainbow oh. Connection or... Moving right along. Moving right along. Okay, yeah. Ellie. Rainbow Connection. Same, Rainbow Same. Connection. Ethan? I really liked Electric Mayhem's song, but you can tell how much I liked it because I forgot what it's called. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Rainbow Connection, although I really, really appreciate it coming. Uh, I'm going to go back there someday or whatever it was called. Is it, what is Gonzo's song? That's, that the, one. That's, that's the one I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. 
that was a wonderfully poignant suite. And I've said this before in a musical. I always find a song that you don't really remember in the second act and go, this is wonderful. Mm. Whether it's I'm all alone at a drive-in movie <laughs> or whatever don't it is. Don't know what that one is. Don't know what that one is. <laughs> but uh, I think for me in this one, uh, I love Rainbow Connection and it makes it me is. it makes me tear up. And I forgot yeah. how much I liked it because I, I, if you'd have asked me, I would have gone, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? But when I heard it, I was like, of course. And to bookend the film with it, start and finish. Yeah. Love it. So good. Love it. Um, Favorite element of the film? Oh, the puppetry. Okay. The the technicality and the logistics of that many puppets and that many different ways of doing it. Jim Henson in a tank for five days in water. Like, it's just, it's so amazing and creative. And I just, I love the art of the Muppets. It's different from puppetry. It yeah. is. It is that the Muppets have become their own form of artistry. And I've said it before, but my biggest bucket list item is to meet the Muppets as the Muppets. Yes. So like to have a meeting with Kermit. Like it would, it's just, I know it will never happen, but it is on my bucket it list. It would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Ellie. Um, I really love how meta it is. So all the, particularly the references to the screenplay when Electric Mayhem come back and explain how they got there and stuff. I just thought it was really, really funny and really cleverly done and it didn't over, it didn't overdo it. It was just really clever. Liam. The use of blue screen. I Surprisingly technologically advanced for its time. I, I thought that weren't about until later. Yeah. So for me, that blew my mind. And <laughs> blue. <laughs> blew my mind, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, for me, that was, that was very, that was very cleverly woven into it without looking too yeah too uh, so i have seen worse green screen recently than yeah, yeah. that blue yeah. screen oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, no. yeah 1979 i'm like you're pretty good you're, you're, you're joking right yeah 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 ethan i love the jokes per second in this especially the beginning yeah, there's like a point. joke every four seconds it's it's non-stop and from the from the get-go i'm like oh cool this is just gonna keep happening and it never really stops other than for you know it's lighter emotional beats and it's really impressive how it just keeps going i'm gonna piggyback on the last question we asked i'm gonna say it's the songs overall as a whole i watched the musical earlier today and the songs didn't feel like they were natural extensions of the film it felt like they were just time for a song so like an early musical before they kind of knew how to integrate them character a walks off stage character b time for a song at the end of which character a will walk back on stage again and it didn't feel earned and this stuff felt i mean every bit of it just felt it was organic yeah. And it's just a tangible piece of, I mean, it, it, it strikes mood, it develops characters, it provides entertainment, it both on a, oh, I like the melodies and the song, and I like the jokes that are present with it. Some bits are really, really funny, some bits are psychedelic, some bits pull at your heartstrings in happiness, some parts pull on your heartstrings with regret. And it's so, just like the Muppets themselves, it was so genuine. But do you think it's because Jim Henson surround himself with the proper creative people that he wanted if you surround yourself with the right people i think you know, amazing things happen giving them the the freedom we yeah. said earlier and going here you're familiar having his this crew expertise i mean i never thought i'd make this comparison but we said how david fincher has his crew when he yeah. goes to films <laughs> right and this is why david fincher tends to put out consistently high quality films because they know what they're doing and he yeah. knows what he's getting the fact that maybe the director was from the outside fair enough and I found it shocking this wasn't a happy film to work on oh, because it, it makes me happy. Yeah. But then to go ahead and just go, we know everybody here knows what the Muppets are. Yeah. Everybody. And so as we create that, as we, and go, Henson didn't write the screenplay. Henson, not the guys who wrote for the TV show, write yeah, the screenplay. Yeah, yeah. He took care of what he was good at and trusted people who he knew were good to get there. 
good. Not it's a Hollywood. So I'm going to big time everybody yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I know my spot. And I think the music was the emotional compass for large portions. I mean, think about, I didn't even say this, but something better comes along. Yeah. It's about a song we didn't talk about. Like, that's brilliant that's because so that is such an adult song. All yeah. of the music yeah. is amazing. You know, to be hung up on a girl and go, look, maybe something better will will, will turn out at the other side of yeah. this. But for the time being, we're just going to sit here and drink and have a thought. Because I think, I think Rolf, you know, he goes home and he has a couple of beers. Yeah, yeah Like Rolf is an adult character, which yeah. is back to my point. I think, let's answer this question now. Is this a movie for grown-ups or a movie for children? I think it's a movie for grown-ups to take children. Yes. <laughs> of course, that is the correct answer. <laughs> That's the best kind of family film. I think it's, it, it's a film for adults that the kids won't realize is a film for yeah, adults. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a film for kids with some jokes, the mums and dads. It's a joke for, for – for, it's a film for adults that has content that a, a, a child can be entertained yeah, by. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's the only way I can put it. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Little Grumbles. I don't have one. Wow. Okay. I – adore the Muppets I adore Jim Henson um, I actually hadn't seen this film until today really okay yeah um, I was apprehensive because I have so much love for the Muppet content I've already seen yeah um, no but, I've, I, I knew if you loved 2011 you'd love this but this yeah, yeah no it completely blew my mind I'm actually a bit emotional okay. I don't know why but it is it's just it's that's, just so that's warm. two Disney films in the trot that have caused emotions it is my yeah. emotions my emotions Ellie. Uh, so I'd just like to go back to Miss Piggy's character design <sighs> for a moment. And the thing that really bothered me about it was that her eyelashes didn't match. They didn't. Oh, like her no. left, <laughs> as in, like, yeah, her right eye's eyelashes were much more kind of plump and yeah, they were. formed than her left eye. And it was like, why? There's just no reason for that. It just, okay. it's, it's a ridiculously tiny grumble, but it just, every time she came on screen, like kind of full, full yeah. face on screen, I noticed it. And it was like, Arr. Okay. Liam. Uh, my grumble is the end. Okay. I, I'd like the end to finish them getting to Awesome Wells and then... So you'd sacrifice... I'm, I'm, I'm putting out you, you're, you're sacrificing that end shot with the 200 Muppets in the pit. I didn't... I do like that. I do like that. I don't, but I don't, I don't, I don't like it from a story perspective, but as a visual, the, the I think story, it's fantastic. It is, it is. Yeah, I agree. But as a story... It'd have been nice to finish there. That is the climax. You're not wrong. That is the climax. Everything after that does feel like it drops a beat. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. So that's my little comment. Ethan. I've had this question for many years, and this film really cements it. A Muppet second-class citizens. Because the entirety of this film, I feel that people treat them lesser than than the humans at points. Especially with how Fozzie's always like, yes, sir, yes, sir. That was always weird to me. But it's more that they, the humans are always a lot more sort of antagonistic towards Muppets no matter where they are. There's there's only like a couple nice humans hmm. in this entire film and it's Orson Welles and Dom DeLuise. Everyone else is kind of like an arsehole. To be fair, I think Steve Martin's just an asshole to everybody. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. He's a jerk. He's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Maiko, uh, I, I think it's that song. I, I, I do appreciate where it fits in. The one about the one is they're building the sets. Yeah, uh, I think I think the the film overstays itself by a song, and I felt mm-hmm. you could have had them just do a little montage set up. You could have been in there in thirty seconds and been like, "Oh no." I think the thing is that you it's because you're effectively watching two films, aren't you? You you're are watching the Muppets watching their own film, yeah. and if you just watched the Muppets film, yeah. it would be the right length. But obviously, because we get treated to the private screening as well, we get those extra five ten minutes 
Okay, so what if instead you go from there to the screening? So they get their thing, the movie ends, the movie inside the movie ends. And now we're at the private screening, and instead of this, maybe now um, the big guy who's been chasing them all movie, Jack, uh, whatever his name is, rips through the ceiling, I found you guys, comes in, and now instead you get that pit shot inside the screening room. Yeah. So you can still have the bit where they sing Rainbow Connection and yeah. you have that image, but you're not overstaying itself. Well, and I did appreciate the madness of parts of it, but I was just like, it just. I wasn't bored, but I was going, it's, there's been a drop in. Because the story's over. There is no story to tell here. I didn't, I didn't feel like that. Ah. But... I felt like that. Anyway, that's what we do for that. So now it's just time for our ratings. Are we so, not going to play the age game on the Muppets? No, we're not Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Kermit. <laughs> so now it's time for our ratings, and that's going to go uh, kind of... Obviously, as we go through on Talking the Mickey, we will uh, rank the Muppet films in yeah. which one was the best. Mm-hmm. But right now it's ones all round because that's all we've done. I've mm-hmm. also ranked it in live action, though, so... That's cool. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, it's just kind of uh, usual best film ever rules. We just need a rating out of 10 for The Muppets. So let's just go around the circle. So, Georgia, why don't you start us off? I think this is my highest rating I've given a film. I think I'm going to give it a 9. Wow. Mm. Yeah. It does, it does things. Cool. <laughs> I, uh, it I, does things. That's what they put on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> this summer, the see a film that some have said... Does things. things. <laughs> it does things to it my emotions. It does things to my heart. Okay. It makes me feel happy. Makes me feel warm. these emotions. It really does, <laughs> and it's and it's just extra because they're not because there's the so much love that goes into creating it as well yeah. because they're not Muppets. Muppets aren't real. Uh oh. What? What? Like. Sorry. So there's been a group of creatives. Don't tell, this that came, have, don't tell Ethan. This came from Georgia. Yeah. That have put it together. And yeah. I, it, it's been mind-washed. It just makes me... Oh, I just okay. love it. I, I love it so much. I've also got it first in the live action. So all the live actions we've done is my favourite. So what I think might be a contrary opinion. Ellie! Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. I'm going to give it six barbecued frog legs out of ten. Wow. <laughs> dark, dark. All right, Liam. Uh, I've not really watched many Muppet things as an adult. The one I do watch is Christmas Carol, like I keep telling everybody. Um, <laughs> because it's one of my favourite Christmas movies. Indeed. Um, but I found myself being really, really nostalgic watching this. And there's things I remembered that I thought I'd forgotten. I'd mm-hmm. buried and put away, like the song at the beginning. Um, so for me, I'm going to give this an eight, a nostalgic eight. Because I really did enjoy I didn't like the ending, apart from them all together. Okay. But, you know, a strong eight. Okay. Yeah. Ethan. Uh, it's the same as Liam. I think. I mean, I really liked this film much as a kid, but watching it again, I can appreciate even more of like the filmmaking techniques and a lot of the practical effects. And like I said, it's so consistent in its jokes. So I'm giving it eight Muppet-based vehicular accidents. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I haven't thought of my uh, sort of reference at this point. Uh, I'm. Um, I love this movie. I do, I do, and it makes me feel the emotions. And very rare do I walk out of a movie theater. I didn't have this experience because as a kid, you don't, you don't have that. But to, as an adult, even to watch a film, and maybe not for the first time, because obviously I've seen this before, but to watch a film and come out going, I just feel happy and content in my soul. And yeah. the, what they'll say in 2011 is that people in, um, in modern times, you know, the Muppets are too wholesome, the Muppets are too squeaky clean, the Muppets don't have an edge to them, and this is the reason why the Muppets won't work. And I see this, and I go, no, this works, because as it was said in the one review that we read, I think it was Gene Siskel who said, or maybe the other one, but to be so vanilla happy, positive, 
but then be so clever mm. underneath yeah. it all. And then have the level of movie magic that goes alongside of that. I, I don't think it is squeaky clean either. No. I think squeaky clean meaning they're just really good characters. Mm. They're nice people. They're not mean. They're not sarcastic. They're not... Apart from Steve Martin. <laughs> no, the, the Muppets, yeah. though. Muppets. Not the humans. The Muppets. <laughs> and so I am going to go for nine asshole waiters out of ten. Wow. <laughs> because I, 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 I'm sitting here going, did I like this better? It's going to sound really weird. Did I like this better from Gladiator? Yes. Yeah. Oh, there are so many films Did I like done. it better than Moulin Rouge? Yes. Yeah. And and I understand someone going, what, what do you do? It, it, it's a bunch of puppets. And I'm saying, you don't get it. It's more than that. Yeah. So much more. So there's people who love Tim Burton. I'm going, I, you're, you're going to be on the other side. You're going to be going, I understand what you're saying with the artistry. I don't get what you get. That's fine. But I definitely get it. Uh-huh. And so I'm going nine. Mine's a nine frog pig hybrid babies out of ten. <laughs> Can you imagine it would actually happen? <laughs> I, think, I think Family Guy once did something and they show you the actual offspring of Miss Pig and it's they're all, they're just, like, like terrible. How do they do the tadpole kind like, of like No, it's just like they... no, it's just like mutants. They're just like like they kill me. I think that's <laughs> what it says. One of them's got like an oxygen tag because yeah. it can't sustain like uh. <laughs> well, we can't sustain too much more of a runtime on this one. So, Ellie, <laughs> what are we doing on? This is us doing Talking the Mickey, not doing Best Film Ever. That will be revealed on the episode that we've already run. So, you guys already know what's ahead next week. We don't. I know, but I'm just trying to do that, a, little, <laughs> a little movie magic of my own. So, you'll find out that tomorrow when we record for the episode that'll be two days before this. It's, yeah, fun. Ellie, what are we doing next time on Talking the Mickey? Well, I'm going to give you a nice little link from The Muppets to our next film. So we're going to go back to a Disney animated classic. But The Muppets also did a lovely film called The Muppets Christmas Carol, which was written by Charles Dickens. And Charles Dickens also wrote Oliver Twist, which was then turned into Oliver and Company in 1988. So that's what we're going to look at next time. Oh, I used to talk about Billy Joel for a couple of hours. I didn't realize that was him until just now. I just found that out on IMDb. I love, I remember loving this film, but I can say I haven't seen this since I moved away from England. So I haven't seen this since the wow. 80s. This is a film that don't often come up on DVD no. or come up on I've not TV. seen it. It's no? great. I really remember liking it. Yeah. And because it's another one of those ones that because you know the source material, mm-hmm. half a job's kind of done. So what do you do when the, when the, the audience is familiar with, with, with the tropes? Yeah. Turn them into a cat, obviously. Well, <laughs> <laughs> cuddly and cute, right? It's what you got. Actually, so much helps with characterization with that, though, because he's easily much more of a victim, isn't he? Well, if he's anyway, a kid, yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit next time. Ethan, any, any surface thoughts on Oliver and Company, buddy? I I enjoy. It. I haven't seen it in years, but it's one of those ones. I think going back, I'm gonna I'm gonna like it a lot more again now that I've sort of been able to appre- appreciate Billy Joel as I've gotten older. I love I'm really Billy Joel. Ex- I'm really excited to look at it with that that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, should be good. <laughs> so please join us next week when we talk about Oliver and Company for best film ever and talking to Mickey. I've been Ian. Oh, I've been Georgia. I've been Ellie. <laughs> and I've been Liam. And I've been <laughs> And what's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? Stick around next week and you might see. Someday you'll find it, the Rainbow Connection, the lovers, the dreamers. Oh, and well, it doesn't say me. That's kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> and all of thee. <laughs> we'll see you next time.
And he comes up and he's rowing through the Everglades and he tells Kermit, I've lost my sense of direction. And Kermit goes, do you remember the joke? Do you remember the punchline? No, no. Oh, okay. It was a repeating joke. I've lost my sense of direction. He oh, says. Oh, yes, yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you, have oh, you, I'm you, thinking have of Dom, Dan, Dom, Dom no. DeLuise. No, Sorry. so Dom DeLuise says that. Okay, I'm going to set it up again so yeah, I can yeah, put yeah. it together. <laughs> Sorry. So he goes up to Kermit and says, I've lost my sense of direction. And Kermit replies with, uh, have you tried Harry, Harry Krishna? Krishna? Yeah. I'm going to try about a th- This is definitely the coda. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the Harry Krishna in my head, I but I wouldn't say Let's just try this again. <laughs> so Bernie, the agent, comes up to him and goes, he I've does? lost my sense of direction. At which point Kermit responds with, <laughs> No, but I have seen Harry Krishna. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Georgia. <laughs> The joke to this is leaving it all in. Yeah. 